Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. How about that? We had college football this weekend. Not good college football, but we had college football. UCLA ran over Hawaii. That was a uh, 44-10 game that really wasn't even that close. And UCLA is going to play LSU next week. That'll be the opener for LSU and second game for UCLA. The Bruins have a chance to improve. We all know the cliche about the most improvement you make is between games one and two. We're going to hear that nonstop. Uh, But I just think the huge red flag in that game for UCLA was the passing game did not look good. DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he's an experienced quarterback now, should be ready to have a big year, but 10 of 20? 50% completion rate? That's not good. For less than 200 yards? That's not good. Hit on a big touchdown pass. That was good, but uh, I just didn't think there was enough there. So we'll see what they do. It'll be interesting. That was the only Pac-12 team in action. Uh, As far as the Mountain West Conference, San Jose State handled Southern Utah easily. Fresno State completely dominated UConn. I don't know what to read into any of those. I think if you struggle, then that's a problem, and it's a red flag. But if you win big, well, you were supposed to. So what does that mean? Maybe you're good. Or maybe you just beat a bad team and you're going to have a mediocre year. But uh, there you go. Hawaii did not look good. That, that, was, that was not good. UCLA just ran right over them. All right, we'll talk more college football as the morning progresses. We're going to have Arizona uh, football coach Jed Fish. PK and I had a chance to uh, talk with him. He made good on his promise when he couldn't talk on Pac-12 Media Day. He did do the phone interview with us, and we'll play that for you coming up next. But right now... The big news, you know, for RSL, Freddie Juarez out on Friday to take an assistant coaching job in Seattle. But it's not clear to me now, talking to people, whether he signed a two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half-year deal. But he got a lot of security. His deal was up at the end of this year. Uh, Well, there was an option for the team with a new owner coming in. He just didn't know how it was going to go. So Freddie is out. And Brian Dunseth joined us to talk about that. Here's Dunny with PK and I. Dunny, good morning. My man, I like the radio voice. I like the DJ radio voice. Great intro. Great intro. I learned it from watching you, all right? I've been dealing with 20 years. It wears off after a while. (laughs) There you go, PK. It's just like wah, wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. All right, so uh, what happened? Six points out of nine on the week. It didn't seem like a terrible week. There have been worse weeks, and it's awfully late in the week to have a coaching change. There's got to be more than meets the eye here. What's happened? Yeah, um, well, what's what's happened is there's been a decision made between, obviously, the head coach and Freddie Juarez, or the former head coach and Freddie Juarez, and the club. You know, the speculation is going to continue to be out there. I would expect... Uh, there to be more clarity on Freddie's end at the end of the weekend by the time we kick off in Vancouver if uh, if more information at that point hasn't come out publicly. Um, but the reality is something that you and I have talked about. Um, I think what makes this a, a really odd situation is that you are finding Real Salt Lake making moves without an owner in play. Um, obviously, Deloitte Hansen is no longer the owner. Uh, the fact that the club itself is being managed or at least overseen by Major League Soccer to give final approval over all of these decisions. Um, and something that, DJ, you and I have been talking about, the opportunity of this group in particular and what Elliot Fall, Tony Beltran, and to a certain extent, Kurt Schmidt have done with this group of players and the fact that there's so much hope this is a playoff team 
And when we assess it from the outside, I think when you assess it internally, you're looking at a club that, while in a playoff spot, I think everyone feels like could do better. I mean, it's something that you and I talked about last night on Talking Real. When you look at the when you look at the standings in the Western Conference where Real Salt Lake is, yeah, it's perfectly acceptable. You're in a playoff spot. But then you look at the goal differential and you look at the teams above them with more points, a zero goal differential, a negative one goal differential. These are these are these are managing minutes and the end of matches that have come up short. And whether we want to talk about the players, which ultimately they hold the accountability, or you're talking about the inability to affect positive change with the substitutions available and the tactics. And, DJ, something you and I were talking about even last weekend in Colorado, how Robin Frazier switched his formation the moment they got the game-tying goal, and four minutes later, five minutes later, they get the game-winning goal. Um, I think there's there was questions. There was questions about the future. Uh, and, and just for clarity, Freddy Juarez was in the final four months of his deal. Um, so I think there was an option on the side of Real Salt Lake. I don't think that option would have been extended. Um, and, hey, by the way, we're, we're waiting for some type of official wor- word uh, from Major League Soccer that ownership is effectively, officially changing hands to whatever individual or group um, you know that's just around the corner. So a lot of moving parts, but in terms of the timing, yeah, I was uh, down in L.A. when I first got a little bit of a sniff that there could be uh, change affected here at Rio Tinto Stadium. So they elevate Pablo Mastrini from assistant coach. I don't know that if he's going to be an interim coach, if he's going to be in contention for the head coaching job, but I do believe he should receive a lifetime contract to be the head coach of RSL for as long as he wants, and there is simply one reason. Now, he was born, I believe, in Argentina. His birthday's coming up this weekend, by the way. It's the 29th. He'll be 45. (laughs) And at age four, he moved to Phoenix, and he attended Thunderbird High School in Phoenix. (laughs) And, Dunny, there is one famous person that you know very, very well. He's at the top of his game who attended Thunderbird High School, and that would be PK. Oh, I love it. I love it. I see what you, well, so I'm in the same company as well because Mark McGuire went to my high school. Oh, there I just you go. don't have his wallet. So I, 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 love the, uh, I love the train of thought there. Listen, Pablo, um, just to be clear, you know, Pablo, a uh, former teammate of mine at, uh, at uh, I almost said Inter-Miami, Miami Fusion, back when it was a champagne life on a beer budget for the previous ownership group in Miami. And I can tell you as a competitor, as a teammate, there's the guy you hate and the guy you love. And the guy you hated was because secretly you loved him and you wanted to play alongside of him and you respected the way he played the game. I am a huge advocate of Pablo Mastrani. And I think from his time of retirement to stepping on the field as, a, as an interim head coach, to getting the job at the Colorado Rapids, to subsequently um, being unceremoniously let go. Um, I was always wondering what his next move would be. Now, he spent last year down with Tab Ramos uh, and Omid Namazi uh, in Houston. I don't think that relationship, that working relationship worked out, hence the move to Salt Lake. I think he made Freddie better. No disrespect to Tyrone Marshall, who had taken the job out at FC Cincinnati as the U19 head coach. Uh, but Pablo, it, it's kind of like, and, and I knew this was, I know RSL didn't want to think about it this way, but for us, PK, the same way DJ and I looked at Mike Pecky being hired for the Real Monarchs the moment that Jeff Kassar was still the head coach, yeah. 
it's that that feeling of uh, it was inevitable that at some point if a change was made well that's why you brought Pablo in because you have a ready-made head coach now what I've been told is that there are multiple candidates um, there is more than what you have on your at least one hand um, that the coaching search is underway Pablo it will be the interim right now and Pablo will be interviewed for the job um, the job is not 100% his they are going to look at a bunch of different candidates and if Pablo is the best candidate then obviously he will be the front runner he already has the end he knows the club the club knows him they know his personality he has a he has a head coaching resume already so that makes all the sense in the world um, but again I've been told that this club is going to do its due diligence and make the right decision for the future of the club, which is something underneath previous ownership. Um, this will be interesting to watch because PK and DJ, as we know, it's never been the best candidate that's been hired for Real Salt Lake since the departure of Jason Christ. It's always been financially the cheapest and the easiest hire for Deloitte Hansen. Jeff Kassar, when you could have had Robin Frazier. Mike Pecky, when you could have had Giovanni Savarese or Josh Wolf. Uh, Freddie Juarez, because he was underneath the umbrella and he'd been with the club and he deserved, you know, some would say the opportunity. Um, but Freddie was an ex- exquisite developer um, and assistant coach. So it's a, it's a big chance. It's a big chance for Real Salt Lake, uh, Elliot Fall, everybody, Rob Zarcos, Kurt Schmidt, Tony Beltran, everyone behind the scenes to choose what could be uh, one of the most important decisions outside of what a new owner looks like for the club. There is Brian Dunseth. We did have some phone issues with him. Hope to have more with him, and we will have more uh, on RSL in Vancouver coming up in an hour and what is trending. Right now, though, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Jed Fish, Arizona football coach. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes get set for an in-state showdown against Weber State at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Catch the Ute pregame show Thursday at 4, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk Arizona football with Jed Fish, the head coach of the Wildcats. Coach, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Sorry I wasn't able to do it uh, at the media day. My voice uh, wasn't cooperating with me back then. Well, Coach, if you would have been at me today and we were down there, we broadcast all day. College football up in Salt Lake City is huge, as you can imagine, particularly with the Utes getting into the Pac-12. But you would have gone face-to-face as somebody who's one of your own because this is PK, and I got extensive roots in North Jersey to the point, Coach, my sister, two, I got two older sisters, one went to Morris Catholic High. I'm sure you're very familiar with that. Yeah, wow. Well, Coach, I'm not going to stop there. My other sister, Hanover Park High School. No way. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. From Hanover all the way to Utah, down to Tucson. It's like a big triangle. 
That is a big triangle. That's awesome. That is but, awesome. My mom still lives there. So oh, that's, cool. Uh, that's, yeah. She lives in yeah. Morristown still. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Well, before you think that you and I can be friends, you did what most people in Jersey do. You went to Florida. My parents, between 8th and ninth grade, they decided to move to Arizona. And here's where the bad news comes in, Coach. I'm an Arizona State grad. Oh boy! That's when I thought we had something going. You know, I, I thought that I thought we had a chance there, and now I don't no. know what we do anymore. Well, I just had to set the ground rules ahead of time. So we're sort of brothers, but then we had a, we kind of went our separate ways. Yes, exactly. That's okay, though. That's all right. We'll we'll figure out what we can do to make it work here, um, and and see if we can uh, help you guys out a little bit with. What's going on with football? I'm curious what it's like for you trying to uh, fit in in Arizona, figure out how things are. I mean, it's something you have experience with. I look at your resume, and you've spent about a quarter of a century bouncing to every corner of the country. You've uh, you've coached in Florida, you in in college and the pros. Most recently, you were at the Patriots. I think people are aware of that. You've been in the middle of the country, coaching at Michigan. You've been out to UCLA. So, is this second nature? Do you have to go in somewhere and figure out a new place and new people? <laughs> yeah, you know the 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 easy part is for me. Um, it's obviously always more challenging for my wife and kids um, as they don't have the really the ability to just kind of lock yourself in an office and be around, you know, a bunch of football coaches and have immediate friends. Um, They have to actually do the hard work and meet friends and go to school. And, um, my, you know, my wife has to meet parents of kids and other people in the community and find doctors, et cetera. But, um, you know, we have, we have done it a, a few times and, uh, we've been on different teams at different universities or different professional teams and, um, we've really enjoyed our moves. We've enjoyed our time and meeting new people. We always feel that's a huge benefit for our own kids. Um, that when they're when it's all said and done, you know, I've been an offensive coordinator in the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the NFL. Um, so, and I've coached in uh, all those conferences as well as the SEC. So, you sit there and you're like, you know, you girls are going to have a lot of opportunities in life. And uh, you should know somebody from some walk of life somewhere along the line. So I've been following Arizona football along with the Sun Devils, obviously, and the whole Pac-12 since they went to from uh, the two Arizona schools went into the Pac-10 back in the late 70s. As I watched the football team last year, you know, with the rivalry game, that, that got away, obviously. But as I look at the Arizona game with the USC, man, that was right down to the end. And if, uh, the Trojans were fortunate, very fortunate to get out of there. I saw Plummer play a little bit, Bandy. And so I know there's some talent there. What type of talent do you have going into this season to be able to be competitive as far as what you're looking for? Yeah, well, you know, there, there's two things to that. The first thing is we certainly, um, you know, we really were – a minute and a half away, down three or up three points against yeah. SC, 30-27 or whatever it might have been. Had a chance to make an interception at the end of the game. Didn't do it. Uh, don't don't win the game. But I, I think there's a feeling of competitiveness for sure at that moment in time. Uh, whatever happened throughout the rest of the year, I'm not really aware of that. I wasn't here. Um, what I do know, though, is we've got some good returning players, 
We also brought in 18 transfers. Um, so we hit the transfer portal pretty hard. Um, 18 of our 117 players transferred in. Seven of our, let's call it, starters on defense uh, transferred in from other programs. Um, so we kind of, we're not going to look very similar to the team of last year. And then on, uh, in terms of our personnel defensively, offensively, I think we, you know, our quarterback, Gunnar Cruz, transferred in from Washington State. He and Will Plummer will share some time. Um, our running back, we've got, um, you know, Michael Wiley returning, but then we've also brought a couple freshmen that, have, that are competing, and then we brought a running back in from Northwestern that transferred in, who is the leading rusher at Northwestern. And then we've got a tight end that transferred in from UNLV. And um, then we've got all of our receivers have returned. So I do believe that uh, the team won't look exactly the same as it looked in the past. So, and you mentioned all the starters on defense that have transferred in. The the rep, and reps aren't always accurate, but there's usually some truth to them. The rep on Arizona was, no matter what they did on defense, it doesn't matter if you don't make the tackle, and they just missed too many tackles. Have you, have you made that a major emphasis here out of the gate? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that was the rep, but what I did know was, um, you know, when you come from working for Bill Belichick, you understand the importance of fundamentals and you understand the importance of tackling. And uh, we practice tackling every day in the NFL, so we practice it twice every day here in college. So we are, um, we're tackling Jesse's, and we do everything we can to, to practice tackling, to drill tackling, to work on tackling, and to, do every, to become good tacklers. Now, until you actually go against another team and until you're tackling live every play, all the things that go, involved, go into it, you'll never know. But we got to build it the right way. We got to build it with you know a tough physical mindset, and that's going to come from um, you know knowing how to tackle and knowing how to run the football. And if you can run the ball and stop the run, you got a chance to be pretty physically tough. Oh yeah, that's that's been Kyle Whittingham's uh, mantra for literally his whole life. I think since he came from the womb, run the ball and stop the run. So we know all about that. He's drilled that into our heads. And we've been doing this show almost 20 years. So we've been on the radio as long as he's been a head coach here. We understand that. You talk about splitting time with these quarterbacks. And obviously you got BYU. you got Utah later in the season. But you got the Cougars, who we also cover intensely here in our market. And you got them right off the bat. When you say you're going to split time with the quarterback, do you have a set plan You can or take it how it goes? Um, you know, there's a, let's call it like an overall outline of how we can, you know, make it work. Um, and this is not the first time that I've been on a team that's done that. Uh, we did it at Florida when we won the SEC championship in 2000 um, with Jesse Palmer, Rex Grossman. Did it in Florida when we um, came in. I think we beat the number one team in the country in Florida State with Noah Brindis and Duck Johnson alternating reps. Um, and then there, we did it at Michigan in 2016 in our first game with John O'Corn and Wilton State. Uh, I think what it just comes down to is we just need to make sure that um, the person that's starting we're most comfortable with, I don't want them looking over their shoulder and thinking that they're named the starter and if thing doesn't go well, all of a sudden they're benched. Um, I don't think that's the right way to handle that. I think it's a much better situation when you have two guys that both competed really hard and let them both go and let them both see how it goes and we'll take one game at a time 
So I read a story that said that um, you really, this was kind of plan B. You would have rather picked somebody, but you didn't feel like you could look the guys in the eye and explain to them what the difference was. So, yeah. You know, I, I just felt as if it was a situation that it was easy to tell the person who the starter was. The problem was telling the guy why he wasn't the starter. And, I, you know, when you don't really have a great reason, I just don't feel like you should do it. Uh, you know, we're in year one here, and we're building trust and respect for one another. Um, we talk about, you know, respect being our number one value here. And I, I just didn't feel like, you know, going there and just telling a guy because I said so or because I felt that way was a good enough reason. And I just um, – I, I, I feel like we're – We've got two young players. They both have four years of eligibility left, and each. And we also are um, we're in year one, and I just feel it's more important right now to do what I would consider the right thing than just what I would have considered the easy thing, and just name a guy. So, because of my association with Arizona, I got forty years in this thing, and I can I can recite all the good things and the bad things. And one of the things, and it's the Devils have struggled with it too, and I harp on it a lot. It's the in-state recruiting. I mean, I can look at the quarterback at Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oregon, Texas Tech. Those guys, Ohio State's got one. They're all kids within the state. And it's hard to keep these kids. Now, I understand you got a four-star linebacker commit. I know you can't talk about it the other day out of California. I think you got like 15 commits so far, something along those lines. Or maybe 22 commits. I don't, I don't remember. I read when I read the story. But you got a lot of commits. Uh, a lot yeah, of enthusiasm. A lot of enthusiasm. You managed to have a bunch of students out at the uh, game. You brought back the alumni and Teddy Bruschi and a couple of guys on your staff. How do you think all of that is going to be able to translate into be able to keep kids home? Because there's a lot of talent in this state, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And it's become a huge priority for us. Um, of the guys that have transferred to us, um, I think seven of them are from the state of Arizona that have come back um, from, you know, Drake Anderson to Gunnar Maldonado to Jason Harris to um, Alex Lines, to Gunnar Cruz. Um, and then there's, I'm sure there's some others that I'm, you know, not popping in my head right now that have got Rocky Hodges and that have transferred back here um, from the state. We also obviously are attacking recruiting pretty hard in the state. Um, currently, we, both of our quarterbacks, uh, Gunnar and Will, are from the state of Arizona. Um, Gunnar went to Washington State, came back. Will came here immediately. Um, but we, we need to do it. There, there's no reason, you know, there's no reason not to go to Arizona. If you're from Arizona, um, you know, if you're going to pick a state school, if you're going to go to a state school, why wouldn't you go to a state school in the state? It's a lot easier for your parents. Um, your parents don't have to fly. Your parents don't have to rent a car. Your parents don't have to rent a hotel room or get a hotel room. Um, you get to be the person that waves the flag for your university. And if we can turn this thing around, get to a Rose Bowl, and you're the when you want to when you're done with football and you're going to go back and live in Arizona, you could be part of the you know class that won the Rose Bowl. And if you go win a Rose Bowl with another team, you know at another institution, then no one's going to really care when you come back to the state of Arizona. They're going to ask you why you didn't go to Arizona. So that's what our mentality is, and that's what our you know that's what we're selling. And um, we got guys like Rob Gronkowski and Teddy Bruschi and 
um, on board with us and that hasn't been really recently. We hired Chuck Cecil and Ricky Hunley and Brandon Sanders, and um, we feel really good about you know the energy and the enthusiasm around the program. The Gronk stuff was uh, genius. Congratulations on that. That was brilliant. We could. Uh, we know you got another commitment. You got to run. Uh, PK could talk Jersey with you for the next. Well, half in hour. the meantime, we'll go that. Hornets, right, Coach? <laughs> go Hornets. And I mean, is it is it a diner for you? Is it a pizza spot? What, I mean, what, what's your favorite place? About uh, what's your favorite thing about Jersey? Oh, he wants to go. Oh, down. Jersey. Oh my God. Well, my mother's Italian, so that ought to tell you. Uh, yeah, well, it's certainly the Italian food. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> I, I got, I'm cut from the Parcells clone. My father was all Irish, grandmother all Italian, and they met uh, down in the Oranges. So uh, anything along those lines, or or heading down to the boardwalk and picking up a cheesesteak. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, thanks guys for your time. Uh, thank you. All right, bye bye. There's Arizona football coach Jed Fish. When we come back, David Locke talking jazz, talking Big 12 and BYU. David will hijack the show. That will happen next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their season opener in Las Vegas to square off against Arizona. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7.30, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to bring in David Locke, his weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. How are you? Well, I'm all right. Um, I need your insight. I want I want your thoughts, or I want I want you to tell me if I'm wrong. That's not so how read, sports talk radio works, and you know it, Dave. I know, but you know what? I don't play by the rules. You know that. Nah, um, so that's a good big, point. <laughs> big Big Twelve expansion. Um. So my quick take is the Big Twelve at this point is really not any different than the Mountain West, right? Like Oklahoma State is San Diego State, and Texas Tech is Boise State, and it's not that different. So it's not great. It's kind of going back to where you went started from. But the reality is you can't go back to where you started from because you just would have to be eating too much crow. So this is the and – and have we decided that, that guys like me that were really big pro-independence guys were wrong? Like have we come to that conclusion that independence is not viable? Or is it – or does that – does independence become more – the right choice because you know it's just all these power conferences and you're better off being independent if you're not going to be in one of the four well i think that brands are powerful and i think the big 12 is a even watered down it's a better brand than the mountain west so i just don't think they're they're the same thing i'd like to think that because i still you know there's a piece of me that still likes to watch san Diego state football in those black and red uniforms but 
I mean, realistically, the the Big Twelve's a better spot, and I think the networks will pay them a lot more money than they're ever going to pay the Mountain West. So, I guess I have to reject your initial assumption. Right. What do you think, PK? Okay. Well, I think you have to consider the financial aspects of it. BYU, for this last decade, clearly made more money as an independent than they would have been as a part of the Mountain West. And will they make more money as a member of the new Big 12, which isn't the same as this, the Big 12 as we know it, obviously, but it still has contracts and then going forward can get a better contract than they could as an independent or as a member of the Mountain West? And I think the answers to that question are yes. So that's why you do it. Who's the, I haven't got all the details. Who's the, is there another player or two or three? Yes. Like to make this yes. work? Who, yes. What are the other pieces of the puzzle? Well, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, Central Florida is a sleeping giant down there because they want, and Memphis possibly, they Central Florida wants big time. And obviously that gives you a pipeline down there and uh, gives you all sorts of credibility, I think. Is, is Boise Stall, I agree okay, with all Boise, that. I think sure, is yeah, Boise, Boise State interested uh, for basketball scheduling? It would certainly help. Um, but I just think for brands and TV value in football, it would help because you'd have two teams and only, you know, one can be home every other week that would enable you to have games in that fourth TV window, which makes your contract worth more money. Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, the whole old school idea that having Central Florida and BYU being far away from each other and that's a problem is actually now a positive because of the fact mm, that then you a, have different TV windows. It's both at the same time. Uh, it is a positive and it is a negative. I, I didn't realize this until I was reading up on it, but a lot of the teams in Big 12, especially Oklahoma and Texas, who are now out, but a lot of teams have been complaining about the 11 a.m. kickoffs the same way we complain about 8.30 kickoffs here. So... The, it would be a far-flung league, and that's a problem. But if you have a team in the Eastern Time Zone, they can kick off at noon, and then you don't have to kick off in that at eleven o'clock. So right. um, I don't mean to be like I don't mean to be like uh, the West Coast ignorant ignoramus here. Um, are any of the other schools in the East Coast Time Zone that you're mentioning? I don't think so, right? Since unless Cincinnati, Cincinnati's not, are they? Cincinnati? Are they? Uh, I thought that's. I mean, I know Kentucky. That's plays right on it. That weird. Cleveland they is. They play around with like they switch, right? Cleveland is. Kentucky switch? Cleveland is east. Yeah. I know that for sure. So I assume Cincinnati is too. Right. That they're eastern time zone. Right. So, right. So, I mean, really, what you're saying, I mean, I understand that they have to do Houston because of the Texas politics of this whole thing. But what they really should be doing is adding two east and two mountain, and then they span three time zones, and then yeah. they at least have something. Cincinnati is Eastern Daylight. So Cincinnati could kick off at noon, so just c- like UCF. So Cincinnati, Central Florida, Boise. BYU and now you've blown great. off Houston and you've just messed up the politics. Or do you go right. to a thirteen-team so league? You can't do it. You can't do it. So it's BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, Central well, Florida is the right answer, and BYU's traveling partner has to become somebody in Texas, and it sucks. Well, they've sort of done away with traveling partners now with basketball. A lot of leagues have. A lot of leagues yeah. have. It's not like it used to be Thursday, Saturday, New Mexico and El Paso. Yeah. It's a true story. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I you know, clearly the Big 12 has got to do something to survive, right? They're on the island and they're building their hut. So they better they better figure out what it's going to be or they're um and that, you know, what you're talking about makes probably the most sense of anything. And frankly, 
the, you know, these are my point of views here are all from 30,000 feet. I'm not following it closely other than maybe reading an article or frankly, listening to various lockdown podcasts. Just nice plug. Is, Good work. Well, no, I mean, truly that is my knowledge. Like I'm just reviewing the network and just happened to be listening to like locked on ACC or locked on big 12 this week and listen to what they said. I mean, the feeling from the big 12 guys was, wow, they didn't really announce anything. Thank goodness. I thought this was going to be our death nail. And the reaction from the ACC people were like, wow, they didn't announce anything. I don't know what this is. So I think, you know, the timing's right to still stay alive a little bit. If you're BYU, though, I think that we've been talking about how independence was something that clearly Bronco Mendenhall didn't want, and he took off. He took off for more cash, too. Uh, And then all the people who have been hired since know full well, as relative to football, that this is exactly what you're getting into, so you better make it work and don't take the job. And so when Kalani got the job, they saddled him with some people that maybe weren't ex- as experienced as they should be, and they sucked. They got through that, and now it seems like the program's in a better spot. Uh, and the Big 12 isn't in as good of a spot. So with that in mind, before with Texas and Oklahoma, it's a no-brainer. But now, not so sure that necessarily it's in BYU's best interest. probably is, but it isn't the slam dunk that it was. I mean— the one thing I think was really clear where I, you know, I was a huge proponent of independence. Like I really thought this was the answer for BYU and still think there's a lot of reasons why it is. The one thing I think I missed, but I'm not sure matters is how detrimental the WCC was to the other sports. And I feel like that hurt them. Like, so being part of the big 12 across the board might be really great. Okay. That probably yeah. doesn't move the meter of importance because frankly, it's, it's all football about football. World. It's all about football. Yeah. Right. Well, I think basketball, men's basketball, was hurt by the WCC, but I'm not sure. I think other sports have flourished and done just fine. I mean, soccer team just beat USC, and the volleyball team's been going Sweet 16, Elite Eight. So, okay. In both. Was, men's and women's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Men's, yeah. men's is a whole different deal as far as conference I mean, lines. It does, I mean, there's no question, I guess what I was really trying to say, and I probably just stated a little too strongly, there's no question being part of the Big 12 better than being part of the WCC. Well, I think that's even a in the big, Even in yeah. the Big 12's reduced state. Like, there's just, that's not a debate. Yeah, Tom will have to do the math on what the travel costs turn into if he's flying teams all over the place. Uh, but I assume that the TV money is going to at least double and maybe more than that. Maybe, maybe get close to tripling or two and a half times. Um, you know, that all needs to be figured out in the next TV contract, so it can't be known for sure right now. But I think well, you can, if you want basketball, it's an absolute no brainer. Texas Tech has been to the end, oh, Baylor's right. won it. It'll be a great Oklahoma basketball league. State's decent. Kansas is very good, obviously. Kansas State has had a run. It'll be a great That's basketball great. league. And, and you know what? I think Mark Pope's probably up to the challenge, so it'll be great. I believe he is. I um, agree with that. Um,. I think the um, I think the interesting. I mean, that's incredible. Actually, when you kind of say it like that, that's really incredible, right? Like you'd have all this here. All right, so let's go back to Pac-12 expansion. Like we knew the math. Like it was, I remember, like what, that covering that so closely, and like the you just had these moving pieces, and it was really evident, and it was obvious it was going to happen, and it was obvious, like, well, if Texas and Oklahoma come, Utah's in trouble. If they don't come in Colorado, it was clear Colorado was coming, right? And so, like, how do you become 
if Texas and Oklahoma came at the time, I think it was that Oklahoma State had to come also, and then Colorado came, and you knew Utah was out of luck. And then there was, like, the pieces, right? You just knew Utah was, like, the perfect piece to go with Colorado. And so if Colorado was going to go and nobody else came, you knew Utah was in. Like, you just had to be in the right place. So the scenario we're talking about of, like, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU doesn't fit right. Like, is there a fourth? Who knocks BYU out of this equation that becomes the fourth team that fits better? Like, the, the problem what we're talking about here is that BYU doesn't actually have that, like, Colorado tie-in. I think that matters. I think that matters less. And the last go round, I was told that BYU was number eleven, but they couldn't figure out who twelve was. And we had a guy on from Texas, a beat writer, a columnist down there. Maybe y'all can remember who it was. And I asked him. I said, "I heard. I've heard that." And he said, "I've heard that too." I think the money for BYU is so overwhelming. I just. I think this league has to go to twelve. And there's no way there's four teams more valuable than BYU. There's no, there's no well, way. yeah, but wait a second here, man. You got the Sunday issue. You got the social issues with the LGBTQT mm-hmm. and all that. So does that outweigh, does the money outweigh what would some perceive as well, baggage? I believe it does, but I don't think that uh, I can prove that. That's just my opinion. Okay. Who's the fourth team that knocks BYU out? I don't think there is one. Well, Boise. Oh, they're not taking Boise over BYU. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be the worst moment in BYU history. Oh my God! Could you imagine what nasty youth fans would do to Cougars? It'd be like T-shirts. I chose Boise over BYU. Big Twelve Conference. Uh, well, yeah, but if they decide the Sunday play and the the talk by the church leader earlier this week riled up a bunch of folks. And I don't think it's out of the realm. I mean, Boise's off the top of my head. I don't know that. No, it's not out of the realm. That's a little bit why I think I had that reaction. <laughs> like, I, I would actually, isn't there anybody else? I would just think they wouldn't come Mountain. Like, right, if you're not right. going to take BYU, so who's Well, Memphis. Team? Memphis. Oh, yeah, so that's a real threat. That, to me, is, you know, Central Florida, Memphis, Cincinnati, Houston, and no BYU, that, like... Now, like that's that's daunting. The fact that Boise doesn't have enough clout to make it a no-brainer the way Colorado did. Like the nice thing for Utah is they were second fiddle to the big dog that they wanted, right? They they wanted Colorado, and Utah just happened to be in the right place at yeah. the right time yeah, to get yeah, yeah. in. And they got BYU in. unfortunately doesn't have that. Like BYU can't let, ride the coattails of another team in the way Utah rode the coattails of Colorado into the Big Twelve. So that's a that's a real problem for BYU that Boise's not not worthy enough of kind of driving this train and making it a no-brainer. Memphis is pretty – Memphis with, like, where they are, location, I – oh, I'm – I hadn't – oh, that's not good. This doesn't feel nearly as good as the conversation when it started, guys. I think they're in trouble. <laughs> the mind of David Locke is like <laughs> nobody I've ever known. There's no question about that. <laughs> I don't want to ask why, but, like, really, like, I mean – Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston, Central Florida, that's that works logically. It gives them like what they need. And I'm not sure that BY I mean BYU is brings them a little bit more money, I would guess, and that stadium's gorgeous. And maybe a little some, but DJ's pointed out, like also brings a lot of a lot of stuff. Like a lot of like actually PK and pointed doesn't, and doesn't fit geographically at all. And maybe that would be the strongest, if I were building the argument, which I don't think would carry the day, but if I were building the argument that they just don't want to get too far flung 
and they're going to focus, you know, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, kind of a quarter up the and, – and Florida's a no-brainer. UCF has had so much success, and the the thought of recruiting there is so tantalizing. See, I actually think geographically BYU plays to the advantage because you'd want a team in the mountain time zone. Klyovkov has been running around telling everybody, we've got the Pacific and the mountain, Yeah, as if the mountain was some big uh, I know. gold mine. <laughs> I, know. I know he has. <laughs> you spend what you got, yeah. and that's what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, so I, I do really think should, the advantage. So what he really should be doing is going and getting the Central Time Zone and grabbing Oklahoma State. And they thought about it the, and then thought for about two seconds and decided to say no. The thing about that is they don't need to do that right now. Oklahoma State will be there whenever they want them. Sure, hundred point. Yeah, great point. Great point. Here's the other thing. How about the Big Twelve think ahead and look ahead? Streaming's coming. Now I don't know if it's twenty thirty, twenty thirty five, but man, by twenty forty. It's not going to be about cable and satellite bundles. Streaming is coming. So BYU is more valuable in the streaming world than it is in the cable satellite world. The ability to get 10 or 20 or 30 or whatever this is going to turn out a month from BYU fans, the 5,000 of them in Tennessee and the 20,000 of them in Arizona who will pay and the 50,000 in L.A. who will pay – and the 5,000 in Idaho will pay. I mean, everywhere BYU goes, they draw 5,000 fans unless they draw 10. I have a great joke right now, but I'm too scared to do it in our climate of jokes, so I'm just going to leave it out. But they all are meeting in the Ward House, and they're oh. only paying one person's only paying $20 a month, and they're all meeting together. So you don't get to, you don't get 5,000. They're all just coming together. Just kidding. No, I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. Like, I think that actually does have. Both of you just sold. Like, if I'm homo, that's what you're selling, right? You're selling streaming and time zone. And you're literally, I think what you got to actually do is say, hey, we're willing to play every single one of our home games at 7.30 at night. 7.30 whose time? Mountain or whatever, right? So No, it's got to be 8.30 to be in the last two right, Five, 8.30, whatever, whatever. They're already you know, doing that, right? Not, not every right. game. So, but, I mean, that's Most. your selling point is we're going to take – we're we're 100% willing to take the late-night window in every single time. It's not in the afternoon anymore. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, play have, that for David Locke. <laughs> find, that, find that drop. Come on, you can do it. I'm – I agree with this, by the way. Okay, last thing. One jazz question for you. Uh, there's been some national media out there grading all the free agents, and I was surprised to see the jazz getting graded as an A, as a top 10 and all that, for re-signing their guys and a couple guys who may get, you know, who will get some minutes. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I wasn't surprised they got a favorable but I was surprised it was that over the top, that high, that, wow, yes, boom. What'd you think? So I think they get an A for disaster averted would be my first take, right? There was a real <laughs> chance this offseason could have been catastrophic. Uh, um, so well, I finally um, got I, A's in school if that was the gradient. <laughs> criteria. Disaster averted. PK, you and I should have been graded on that scale. Like every time I took an English test, there was a real chance for now. Um uh, spelling tests, there were like anything above C minus should have been an A, like just for survival sakes. Um, and any grammar test, I certainly, anyway. Um, so I do think that disaster averted gives them a pretty good grade. Like they kept themselves in the top two or three teams in the Western Conference from a projection standpoint. 
Um, number two, um, I'm really curious to watch us on Whiteside. Like my instinct is that I actually think he's going to be better than Derek Favors um, because he's just bigger and longer. And so we play the drop big with him and just matches more naturally. And he's just as good an offensive rebounder, maybe at times better. Um, I just don't know if there's a chance his knees are just gone. Like I, my feeling is he didn't play in Sacramento because of Sacramento, not because he didn't play in Sacramento because he's not very good anymore. Um, and he was really good a year before in Portland. So my instinct there is we actually got better. Um, that might be wrong. I mean, you, whoever plays backup center to the Jazz just looks so bad because the starting center is the best, one of the best defensive players in the history of the game and is so great at everything he does that you look so bad in comparison. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know what the analogy would be. I could use some sexist terminology of somebody being a co-star to Halle Berry in the 90s, right? But um, it's just like Rudy's so great that Derek looked not very good all year, and I don't actually know that Derek wasn't very good or just Rudy's that great. Um, so I do kind of feel like Hassan Whiteside might be an upgrade there. And then I think Rudy Gay adds a versatility to the roster that we didn't have. So it, they probably deserve a pretty good grade in disaster averted. They re-signed Mike Conley. They didn't lose any starters. They didn't lose any main rotation players. They added roster versatility. And I think they might have upgraded at backup center, which is hard for me because I love Derek. But I think he just wasn't didn't feel very good last year. But, again, I, that just, again, could be because Rudy's so great that Nobody looks very good. Well, I think if you take that to its natural conclusion, David, it's that the Jazz perimeter defense is worse than we know because Gobert covers up so much that we don't realize right away. I mean, so this is this. So I've talked about this a lot, but I'll just I'll do a short version of it if I'm actually possible for me to do so. DJ's chuckling. TK's saying not a chance. (laughs) And Jake wanted to go to break three minutes ago. Go ahead. Yeah, whatever. Two and a half half years ago, we made five roster changes that were all offensive changes away from defensive players. It was the correct thing to do as a team because the great defensive team just simply wasn't good enough offensively to be able to beat a good offensive team. Even though the defense had a great night, our offense just wasn't up good enough. So since then, over the last two seasons, whenever Rudy's been off the floor, we have just been horrific defensively. And that's what we built. And the concept was that Rudy could cover it up and they built it a hundred percent. Right. But that is the issue is that it may not matter who the center is. If they're not the greatest defensive player in the world, because we got our defense just can't stop anyone unless it's Rudy doing it. And that's what became so obvious in game six against the Clippers. And when they removed Rudy while he was on the floor from the action, we got exposed. They basically did. You know, what was clear is that we're not good defensively unless Rudy's impacting everything and they eliminated Rudy's impact. So, yes, did we address that issue? I don't think so. So that'll still be. But there's a very, you know, the unfortunate thing was that we ran into the one team that could expose it. I'm actually not sure there was another team in the NBA that could have exposed it the way the Clippers did. And I'm not sure they could have exposed it if Serge Ibaka hadn't gotten hurt, frankly. Like there was some fortuitous stuff for them as well that, you know, they lost one of their guys, and so they kind of were forced into this. Um, but Phoenix would have kept DeAndre Ayton on the floor. The Lakers would have kept various players on the floor, and if Anthony Davis wants to spread out to the outside and never come in, that's fine. Um, the Denver with Jokic can't like a limit, can't move him out of the game. I mean, and without Jamal Murray, they wouldn't have been the same. So 
Um, Dallas probably could do it a little bit with Chris Daps. That was not a matchup I wanted. So, you know, in Portland with uh, Nurkic probably couldn't have done it. And Robert Covington wasn't going to really play center. So, um, uh, you know, so I, I'm not sure there's another team. Draymond can't shoot well enough to do it. So I, I'm not sure there's another team other than the Clippers that could have actually done what they did to us. By the way, quick note, Portland's better than anyone thinks there. Okay, see you. All right, there's David Locke taking over the show. When we come back, what is trending? Oh, the headlines. College football. We had college football. And, uh, you know, a new chapter for ourselves. We'll get to all that coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to welcome in Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver. Samson, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? How are you? Uh, we're good. Name, image, and likeness is already paying off for you. Well, it's radio. I don't know about image. But name and likeness is paying off for you. <laughs> Yes, sir, it is a little bit. I'm trying to take advantage and trying to find some good deals, man. It's it's some craziness out here, but it's happening. All right, since it's happening, Mr. Nakua, you're going to have money to get a haircut because you're at BYU now. <laughs> hey, haircut, shave face, clipping the toenails, clipping the fingernails, everything. <laughs> I'm doing it all right now. I'm cleaning up every little part of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. That's like a scene out of a movie or something. But the, I think it was The Rock, right? Sean Connery. They get him out of prison. And he's got to go through the whole deal. and ends up dangling yeah. some guy over the side of the building. All right. So Utah to BYU, what has been the biggest change for you? Man, how you just said it right there. Cutting the hair, shaving the face. Like uh, The biggest switch up, I think, is the honor code right there. Uh, um, no. Um, honestly... There's not too much of a difference. Um, uh, I think a lot of people think there's a there, there would be a big difference between the Power Five school and then coming down to an independent into an independent um, school. Um, there hasn't really been any anything too big of a difference. Um, I mean, like I said, it's just honor code's a little different. Um, shoot, I think um, also uh, we say prayers uh, before everything that we do. Uh, <laughs> We're saying a prayer before we start um, our meetings, um, before we start football. And that, I think that's the biggest difference right there. <laughs> How has the familiarity with Aaron Roderick helped you and him helping him because he has familiarity with you uh, a little bit because I think you crossed paths up there at Utah. Yeah, um, he was actually there my freshman year um, and it was his last year up at the U um, before he uh, left. Um I think it's been really good. Um, me and him were able to pick up um, right where we left off, honestly, because um, he had this offense uh, over at the U with us for a little bit, uh, with us for a little bit over there, and um, it's been nice. Um, me and A Rod um, have just been talking and just been uh, learning the offense and trying to get down the little details and uh, mastering the playbook, and uh, it's been really fun uh, getting to pick his brain and. Uh, being uh, getting to you know reunite with him and uh, it's just been really fun. Samson Akua joining us, BYU wide receiver. So Aaron told the media before they announced the decision, he said, "We're getting close. Probably going to do it next week." But I think if you talk to the players, most of the players know. Did you know just from watching practice? Because that's what he was saying was that it was obvious enough. You guys could all pick up on it. Um, with uh, QB, yeah. Um, yeah, um, it, it was pretty obvious through camp. I mean, every quarterback was making plays. Um, uh, it, it was it was a big, it was a hard battle uh, between the three and the beginning. But um, as time and camp kept going on, um, 
uh, Jaron was able to separate himself a little bit more and with um, making plays out on his feet and then making plays uh, throughout the air and uh, just making checks and stuff that um, just looked really advanced and um, just really looked like he was taking control and uh, just um, mastering this offense and wanting to lead us. And uh, it's been really fun to see him uh, ball out really this uh, fall camp. So having watched you with the Utes, I always thought you were underutilized to an extent. You got size, you're a good runner, your hands were okay. But it never seemed like there was a breakout, you know, behind the scenes talking to people, this reason, that reason, or whatever it is. How much do you think that with a new life that you got going on at BYU, a fresh start, that you can have that breakout that I believe the skill set says you have? Um, I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, you know, with the offense that was played up at Utah, you know, we uh, it wasn't as a, a big explosive air raid offense as I would have liked. And uh, we were down more in the 12. And, I mean, when you had players like Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss and Brian Thompson and just, like, other big players, it, it was hard for me to – and Britton Covey, too. Like, it was hard to get me the ball. And um, I was okay with it. I was always willing to sacrifice and do something uh, – that was bigger than just for me. Um, I was always willing to help the team out, and uh, I don't, I don't ever look back and I regret doing that uh, for my years up at the U. And uh, I think that I'm uh, ready for a, a bigger role um, this next year and in, uh, in my last year. And um, I'm prepared to just show everyone what everyone doesn't think I can do, and just show them that I can, uh, I can play ball inside or outside. I can play ball wherever they need me to, and um, I can make plays wherever. So I'm excited for the season, honestly. So are you going to be healthy enough here early on? Because I heard there have been a few issues early uh, going through camp here for you health-wise. Yeah, I'm going to be good to go. Um, tight hamstrings, you know, it's been a long, hard off season. I'm just training super hard, trying to prepare myself for a, a big senior year. And um, I think just overworked, uh, overworked the body a little bit. But nothing, anything too serious. Um, I'll be ready to go for all season. Um, I'm just ready to play now. <laughs> How about your brother? Oh, yeah, he's ready to go. Uh, me and him just been trying to get healthy and uh, just stay healthy and uh, be ready for a season, honestly, uh, because, you know, we want to do everything we can to be on the field with this team and help them in any way possible. And um, just doing lots of rehab and getting lots of treatment in right now. And uh, we're both looking really good, ready to play. So you've got Arizona coming up in the opener, and it seems a bit of a mystery because they've got a lot of transfers and they've got a new head coach. But watching film and whether it's you know former teams, their coordinator used to coach or whatever, what have you been able to put together about the Wildcats and what do you know about them? Um, that's going to be a real physical game. Um, you know, playing anyone in the Pac-12, um, it's it's going to be a difficult game. Always, it's going to be a tough game. Are they going to come out and play? Um, like dogs, and uh, we're expecting a, um, a good, a good man, man pressing. I, I believe that they think their man is uh, their one-on-one matchups. Uh, matchups are better than ours, and um, we're just willing to put that to the test and see what's going to happen, and uh, see whose uh, players are better. And uh, we're excited for it. Obviously, uh, going to play in Allegiant Stadium, getting to play a Pac-12 team off a of rip. Um, it's going to be a, a great season to uh, showcase our talents and show everyone what we what we got. Yeah, you see any much any much difference between the schedules that Utah played and this schedule that you're going to play this year? Um, especially with this year coming, honestly, um, and it's being my last year. I think it was really nice to come over and uh, have a schedule like uh, 
BYU does this year because, um, you know, most years they're not playing too many big teams, but uh, this year they got a really good schedule. It's looking like a Pac-12 schedule, honestly, so it's not a big anything too crazy for me that I've never seen before. Um, and I think it's just perfect, honestly. It's good to just show that BYU can play with any team and then we can show them that we can, we can hang with any team too. So it's going to be a big year for us. So are you hearing from any uh, Utes? I mean, obviously you got a lot of guys in your phone. You hearing from anybody now, or is everybody really taking it one game at a time and not looking at game number two? Yeah, I think with uh, backup over at the U and then uh, down here uh, at BYU, everyone just really focused one game at a time. Um, I think a lot of mentality over the past years, especially for BYU, it's always beat, beat, uh, beat Utah, beat Utah. And um, I think that's a, a, something good to have. But I think... With this year, we have just a bigger focus in just winning every game and making it to playoffs, making it to championships. Like we don't want to take uh, one game and take it for granted. Like we we should beat them. Like no, we want to focus from Arizona down to USC from each game one uh, one step at a time. And uh, I think that's our main focus right now is just focus on Arizona, and then we'll worry about who's after. There's a lot of talent, I think, uh, in the receivers uh, the receiver position for BYU. Uh, how many guys do you anticipate actually getting out on the field? Honestly, a lot. With the with the offense that we run and uh, no huddle offense and just fast pace, um, conditioning is going to come into a big play right now. And I, I know we're all well conditioned, but injuries happen too. Also, and you never know. So every man's got to be ready. Honestly, you know the game of football; it's unforgiving, and you don't know what's going to happen. And someone could just be done out of nowhere. And um, the way fall camp's been looking, everybody down from our third, fourth string is making, has been making plays throughout fall camp. Um, our walk-ons have gotten a big boost of energy since um, stuff has been changing around here. So they've been stepping up their games and been making plays out during fall camp. So honestly, it's going to be amazing. Um, how me and Puget have said before, I, we don't see a drop-off at all. Um, our walk-ons are just as good as our scholarship players, and it's just going to be amazing to see this year. So when you go in no huddle, how much do they move wide receivers in and out? Are you going to move wide receivers in and out of the game, and how much do you guys have to run the repeated sprints? Um, it's going to be a lot with the repeated sprints, and um, I don't know how much we're going to be able to rotate because we like to you know, keep keep teams on the edge. Right. So it's more of a, uh, everyone's being conditioned, and if you're really dead tired, just be ready to be sub. But um, They've been conditioning us well, so we can be able to stand there for you know two series, two to three series, and then be able to switch out. So we um, we're planning to stay in for as long as we can, and then uh, up to Fessy when he wants to rotate. But uh, definitely, they've been conditioning us to make sure we'd be able to stay uh, withstand the uh, play calling. All right. So who's the best receiver then? <laughs> oh, uh, it's definitely me. Nah. <laughs> it's hard to say, honestly. If you really got, if anyone comes out to practice and sees the drills that we do, um, and then just throughout scaling and team, um, the ball is being spread out to everyone evenly amount, and everyone has been making plays. Whether it's running backs, tight ends, receivers, quarterback, like just everyone's been able to make plays on their feet with their hands, and it's been nice to see because. I don't know, back up at the U, it was limited with our air raid, and it was mostly give Zach Mouse the ball. The man's unbelievable. Give him the ball. He'll he'll make something happen. So it's just really nice to spread the ball out, and uh, it's hard to say who's really the best. <laughs> oh, man, he's gotten more humble since he's went south. 
<laughs> hey, that's what they teach me down here. <laughs> Man, it's very different down here. So I'm adjusting to everything, learning the culture down here, loving and learning. It's a, it's amazing right now. <laughs> you just don't want to undermine Puka's confidence. That's what it is, really, right? Exactly. You know, you got you, you got to give the little but, uh, butters and confidence, make him feel good. You know, you don't want him to go pouting or anything. <laughs> Does he have a sense of wanting something to prove too? Because you know he came out as a as a big big time recruit, and it went okay at Washington, but he didn't flourish. Now he's still very young; he still has time. What's his mindset there? Um, I think his his mindset is just uh, you know to show people that he hasn't fallen off. Like even though he's been gone for two years and people haven't really heard his name, but he's been doing his own thing up at the over at with the Huskies that. He just wants to come down and show people that he nothing's changed about him. He's all about ball and that he's still that same big recruit everyone's been wanting to see and that, you know, injuries or anything's not gonna stop him, that he's been working and he's been putting in the work this offseason to show everybody that, you know, he's still one of the top in the in the state and that he just wants to come out and help us ball. So you guys transferring in, how long does it take to learn the name of everybody on the team? And do you literally oh. know everybody's name right now? You know, we're still getting some walk-ons, so it's hard, honestly. I don't know anyone's name, but at first it was hard. But I remember just learning up at the U, like, uh, one of the biggest things Coach uh, what used to say was that you will become us, we will not become you. And so it's like the older guys will always have to go out and, you know, stick their hand out and introduce themselves to the young guys. So, I mean, even though I was one of the newer guys, I felt like I was still a vet, and uh, even stepping into no program, I was just like, I got to, you know, put my hand out there and still introduce myself to everyone, even though I'm a new guy. And uh, it's been fun. Everyone's been really cool on the team, honestly. Of course, it's very different with everyone being married and having kids. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> different. But, <laughs> you know, I'm doing my best to try to get everyone to come out and come bowling, and I'm telling them to bring their kids, you know, it's okay. They can have family home even over at the bowling alley. Um, but it's been really fun. <laughs> so... When the, we know that you guys have talked about how you wanted to be closer to family uh, in in Utah County, where you guys are all from, or the families from, but who was the lead, or was there a lead on either of you two, you or your brother, as far as transferring to BYU? Did one have to get with the other, or was it more of a just a mutual decision, and that's where you ended up? Um, during COVID was uh, was a big time when everyone you know came back home. Football was done for a while. Um, we haven't had that. We haven't had that break from football, and uh, dude, I don't know how many years, honestly. So you know, having that break and being able to come back home was was a blessing in disguise, honestly. And uh, being able to spend time with grandma and mom, and um, at that time when uh, we were back home, um, Puka was actually the first to notice and uh, say something about. Um, noticing our grandma was sick and uh, that he could notice uh, that he was noticing a change in just her mood and her body and just like her getting smaller and um, and so when uh, Puka pointed that out um, that's when we started taking it to the doctors more and started running more tests and uh, we were able to find that she was uh, she actually had cancer and um, and so when uh, we found that out Puka brought it more to, to my attention uh, saying that you know he's a uh, that me and him have both done our time um, away from home, and uh, he felt like you know there was something pulling him back home, uh, especially with uh, what's happening with your grandma. And um, 
I felt like after he brought that to my attention, uh, me and him uh, both just took our time and uh, saying our prayers and uh, just really thinking about it. And uh, then finally, just one day we called each other and uh, just made the decision it was time to come home. Um, it was best um, to come be with grandma and be with mom uh, through what's happening with, and just help take care of her. And so I think the biggest thing was Puka and just talking about it and then us just finding it for ourselves to find out that this was uh, the best move for us. So how's she doing? Um, you know, we're, every day we're just staying with her, you know, just trying to make, make it her best time, whatever she wants to do. We were trying to do it. She loves going walk to walking at the mall. So we go take her to the university mall in the morning, go walk around with her, you know, go sit at Starbucks. She loves a fresh smell of coffee. Um, just whatever she wants, you know, you know, cancer's never good. It, 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 it's happening quick, so we don't know when. Um, how fast it's going to happen, and so just doing whatever she wants, honestly, whatever is making her happy. We're just trying to be there. And she just loves hanging out with us. So we, sometimes we just go we'll go over, sit at the house with her, and just you know sit outside and lay around, have the dogs run around us, and uh, she just wants to be home with the family. So it's been fun, honestly. Well, Samson, we appreciate you coming on. Best wishes to your family, obviously, uh, going through this. And we're looking forward to watching you uh, throughout the season. And we're looking forward to having you on every Monday morning throughout the season. Yes, sir. I'm excited. And it's going to be a crazy year. Uh, You guys definitely uh, stay tuned. It's going to be fun. We'll be here. Name, image, and likeness for the win, Samson. (laughs) <laughs> yes, sir. You guys have a good one. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Samson. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, is going to join us every week all season long now that the NCAA has decided that type of thing is okay. And coming up, Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, is going to join us every Monday morning all season long now that the NCAA has decided that kind of thing is okay. Nick's coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Football Fridays, Coach Mack, Alema Harrington. I promised a story from you, Mack. You got about 5,000 of them. Right. Give our listeners a well, good story, and Alema's going to fact check. Okay. Probably the one that would be more prevalent would be the first time we beat BYU mm. down there. That really changed the whole complexion with the BYU-Utah thing. So I go to my church on Sunday, you know, the Mormon church in my neighborhood. <laughs> I go strutting in there. <laughs> None of the BYU people showed up to church uh, that Sunday. By the way, fact checkers, 87.3% accurate on that story. The other stuff was just to make it entertaining, which is acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Nick Ford is going to join us here in a few minutes talking Utah football. Samson Nakua at 7 o'clock. Mondays all season long. Nick Ford at 7.30 on Monday mornings all season long. And finally, game week, PK. You get a little little taste of week zero football. They weren't very good games. Still got to watch uh, football. but To me, it's week one. But, uh, yeah, I did. I watched two games, well, three, most, nah, probably about half of Utah State. Utah State, that'd be Southern, Southern Utah, Utah and San, San Jose. Jose State. I mean, it went about as expected. 
San Jose State have a very good team last year. Uh, it seems like when they have a quarterback and Starkle's a quarterback, reminds me when they had fails a few years back, they're good. So, uh, you know, it's hard to expect a big sky team to step up like that. And now the Southern Utah, I mean, they saddled them, I assume, 0-2. They got the Devils on Thursday. But uh, was disappointed in Hawaii. Not that I know a lot about Hawaii. I'm not going to pretend that I do. But they got smoked right out of the gate. Yeah. Didn't even hang with them for a little while. Yeah. 24-3 to at the end of the first quarter. Right, right. Uh, you know, but the Bruins are improving, and so I don't know how many games they're going to win, but I expect them to be much better in being able to compete, and they're going to be a much tougher team to beat than they have been the last few years, which stands to reason. I mean, this is Chip Kelly's fourth year. If you're not going to get better now, when are you going to get better? Uh, so, with the next coach? Uh, you don't know that, though. I mean, okay, be, maybe with the next coach, but right. not with this one. Right. Because, like most of these teams in the conference, every coach since Donahue has been fired. Right. Same thing with Arizona. Same thing with the Sun Devils. Uh, and I could probably go through and say some more, but I just happen to, you know, they're in the South, obviously, and I know those teams uh, intimately, having worked in both markets for many years. So. But it was fun to have it back, and it'll be fun to have it back Thursday and Saturday and so forth. All right, time to welcome in Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Nick, good morning. Good morning, boss man. We are happy to have you on, happy to have you on every week, all year long. I'm curious, with name, image, and likeness, uh, how much is this, how, how many offers are you getting, how much of your time is this taking up as you prepare for the season? Um, I'm getting quite a few offers. Me, personally, I'm not uh, devoting a large sum amount of time to it because, you know, I personally feel like football is more important. i got more important things to worry about and the position I'm in and taking care of this team, so... I mean, I'm keeping a good balance, but mainly focusing on football. What's it like, man? Did you imagine coming out of Pedro that you ended up going out of Utah being rich? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, coming out of Pedro, I mean, small time <laughs> kid, I didn't really even really think I was going to get a scholarship, and then all the scholarships started flooding in. Came out here in January and tank top and shorts in the snow and kind of blew my <laughs> mind and it stuck with me. <laughs> Uh, tank top and shorts. That's, well, that's you know, right. you got the ocean view there. If you get up high, you can see the Great Salt Lake. It's the same thing. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so as you uh, settle in for this year, and obviously you're coming off a, uh, a really weird year that was completely different, but you are the voice of experience when you talk about taking care of the team. You've been in a leadership role for a while, but now more than ever, I suppose, how different is it? Um, different in terms of what? Your life. I'm, I'm curious, anything in the program, different places you've had to take on different oh. roles, or if it's just kind of the same deal, you get different voice in, uh, in meetings, that kind of stuff, and on the field? I think it's pretty pretty much the same. I mean, the, the coaches harp on a players-led program here. Um, being, you know, like the leadership and all that, it just means that, you know, I have a – high respect within the program between my teammates because the teammates are the ones who elect everything. So, you know, that's nice to know. But, I mean, all, all the time I've been here, I've been taking care of people, whether it's, you know, Rise or 
extra film or extra work on the field. I've always devoted my time to help my teammates out, so this team could be the best. So Coach Whittingham, when they talk about the depth chart, uh, said it was going to be released last week, and it was. But he also said that there's some spots in the offensive line that weren't 100% set. Now we're in game week, obviously. What's the status there? Uh, you know, everyone's getting healthy and doing what they can. Um, you know, football is rough. It is what it is. And we'll see how that lineup shapes up, uh, you know, when we do play on Thursday. But I know 100% whoever lines up is going to be, you know, they're going to be ballers. How much does how much do things change based on which five guys are able to go? Um, in all honesty, I don't think it changes much at all, which is the scary part. Um, that's like my biggest upside with this team is that no matter anywhere, offense, defense, offensive line, quarterback, safety, wherever it is, like if somebody gets hurt and the next person has to come in, the production drop off is is going to be very slim to none. Like. Everyone on this team has been here for a while, is really athletic and knows what they're doing. And, yeah, the, it's these guys are special. <laughs> so you have some natural ability, obviously, to play football, and you also have some natural ability to lead. I think that's been evident as we've watched you uh, come up from uh, Southern California and integrate yourself into the team and into the community. Could you tell us about some of the stuff, though, that you're doing also off the field that people may not know about? Because following some of your stuff, you're doing some real important things out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I got the opportunity to work uh, with a foster care system, uh, Utah Foster Care. Um, so I've always liked cooking. That's always been a part of my life. And, you know, I got the opportunity to um, get a large sum of food and cook it. And I didn't want to have some type of food to be like, you know, everything they get all the time, like sandwiches or whatnot. And, um, yeah, so I wound up cooking, feeding them, and it was a really good time. You know, I like to vote my time helping out people, go after my time to, like, schools and stuff and trouble kids. And I mean, I just love giving back to especially the kids and the youth of the community because, I, that's where a lot of stuff starts. I mean, once we get older and whatnot, they're going to be the ones running around the town and making sure everything's taken care of. So as long as they have a good upbringing, I think it's going to shape the community in a good way. So what was the motivation for working with foster care kids? Is there a, is there a backstory, something that really got you interested? Um, so I got this opportunity with Block Party U. Um, they were talking about they fund the event. And they just wanted me to cook and come out. And, you know, I thought it would be something that was cool. Um, then I started looking into the foster care system and um, talking to my friends around campus. Uh, it turns out, like, there's a lot of Polynesians out in Utah who are in that system. And, you know, it's done a lot of people well. And some of the people who I know are actually in that system. So I think it was just a good way to give back to the people, you know, who have uh, benefited from the foster care system. And also give back to the parents who are providing those benefits for those people. Yeah, I mean, I know a little bit about the foster care system, and it can be uplifting, and it also can be the biggest struggle that you could possibly have, and a lot of these kids that are involved in this, I mean, they have a lot of odds to overcome. Were you able to meet, or how many of these young folks who were actually in the system did you get to interact with? Uh, quite a bit. They came by, um, you know, said hi, drive, dropped cars and stuff, a little quick conversation. We didn't want it to be a huge interaction thing because COVID and everything that's going on. So it was more like a drive up, say hi, you know, talk a little bit and 
go on. And I can see that they're very thankful. And, you know, it, it, that filled my heart, you know, seeing that they're thankful and seeing them give me cards. I mean, all those cards are still on uh, my dashboard of my car to this day. Um, so, you know, it's a little reminder that keeps me going. But, I mean, uh, I wish I could have interacted more. But just to keep them safe and me safe, you know, we just had a quick interaction so nobody got sick. So is this the kind of thing you've uh, shared with your teammates and gotten them involved in, or is this uh, is this Nick Ford time and you just kind of keep this to yourself? <laughs> no, it's something it's something I shared. I mean, even one of my friends' dads came and helped pass out food, and I think Solo's going to do something next, and I'm going to help him out, I'm pretty sure. And there's other people like Kyrie's Ron who wants to get involved and whatnot. And, you know, I don't want it to make it a show to where it's like, oh, Nick Ford's doing this for the community, Nick Ford's doing that. I want it to be, you know, Utah football's doing this, Utah football's doing that, because a lot of the kids on this team, old men on this team, you know, really do care about the community and give back, and that's not always shown in the media, and I mean, which we have no problem with, because the only thing that really matters is that, you know, the kids or the homeless people or whoever it is that we're talking to, interacting with and helping, you know, as long as we get a smile from them at the end of the day, it doesn't matter you know, if the world sees. You guys had a quarterback competition that went on until pretty close to the end of uh, training camp, and then now you're in game week, obviously, going forward. Uh, with you as a center, were you able to tell any difference in terms of the quarterback and the final analysis? Does it matter to you who is uh, who is playing the position? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, from a center to quarterback perspective, I mean, I didn't even know until the depth chart was released. And, I, you know, I was kind of shocked because everyone was saying, oh, uh, they released uh, – someone said the starting quarterback already. Like, and I was sitting there like, yo, what? I'm like, I didn't even know this. And then they released the depth chart, and I was like, that's crazy because, like, it, it was really kept under wraps. Like, I had no idea. They were splitting the reps. They were both balling out. And uh, from a performance standpoint, like like I just said, like I mean, they were both balling out. There's no absolute worries whatsoever. Whether it comes to you know running running the ball, they both have good feet. Throwing the ball, they ha- both have really good arms, and you know just reading a defense and being confident and all that stuff. They're all really talented. So does it matter that much to you which guys on your left and which guys on your right? If it doesn't matter to you which guy is behind you, say again. Does it matter to you who's to your left and your right? Is the offensive line, because Kyle said there could be injuries and shuffling, as you interact with those guys and you act as one unit, does it matter a lot who's on either side of you? Uh, I would say yes and no. I mean, the longer you work next to somebody, you kind of figure out their, you know, their do's and don'ts. And um, we have a lot of experience in the room, and I've worked a lot, alongside a lot of them. And uh, in, re- in the recent week or so, you know, we've been playing together and uh, we have a good chemistry. And I do understand, you know, who's, you know, what, what they're good at, what they're not good at. And uh, we kind of build off of that. And having just a steady offensive line right now going into the game has been slightly comforting. But in the overall picture, the talent level and the uh, fundamentals – are the same throughout the room, which is something that is more important because oftentimes you see a drop-off, you know, when you have a different guy come in and there's not a drop-off. And the fundamentals, whether it's, you know, reading the defense or whether it's footwork or anything, they're exactly the same for everybody, which is way more important because you can always tell someone what to do, but you can't always tell someone how to do it. 
So covering football for Utah for many, many years, it seems like they have always had a great running back. And this year, with the tragedy that happened to Ty Jordan, leaves the running back position, at least at Utah, uh, very inexperienced. But the tradition is there. The pattern is there. The mindset is there. How confident are you that you'll still be able to, even though we don't necessarily know who's going to get the bulk of the carries, we'll still have productive run game because really, offensively, that's what the Utes have been known for? I have no worries in the world about that at all. You know, you know rest in peace, Ty. Love that man. His, his locker is real close to mine. And, you know, I think about that boy every day. See his picture every day. See his highlight every day. But, I mean, the, in respects to that, the running backs that we had come in, you know, are absolute monsters. They're they're all different types of running backs, and then Makai Bernard really sprouted this off season and became the back everyone know knew he could become. So, I mean, at the end of the day, whoever gets the ball, it's going to be a different style of run, but it's going to be very productive. And Coach Ludwig does a good job of putting people in the position in which you know they help the offense the most and what they're good at. So, you know, different packages, different formation, whatever, Coach Ludwig will get his athletes where they shine the most, and he's definitely done that with all the running backs. So kind of ties back into me saying, you know, they all have different styles of runs, but they're all going to be very productive. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, joining us. Do you get a pretty good idea who it's going to be, even if you're not supposed to say right now? Or is running back a position where you really have to get to games because you got to see how guys are tackled and who can break tackles and none of the early whistles from the coaches or the, the referees they bring mm-hmm. in? Um, me, personally, I don't, I don't have a, a big feel on it right now. I mean, all, like I said, all our backs are talented. And, you know, that's usually what happens. Um, you know, we get into season and we see, you know, how productive people are, how good they are, what they do good, what they do bad. And um, it's kind of like a trial run, the first couple drives and, you know, seeing, you know, is this really what it's shaping up to be? And in my eyes, in all honesty, I think every back is going to shape up to the way that they're performing in practice. So whether, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be real hard for Coach Mack to decide, in my opinion. Hmm. Well, I, I, I guess it was sort of that way last year, too. There was a bunch of guys coming in there, and eventually uh, pe- people emerged. So uh, the same type of situation, even if it takes two or three games, whatever it might be? I believe so. Um, I really do believe so. But I, I also believe that the talent level is so high at every one that, <laughs> like I said, it's going to be a hard choice, and I am unsure – so the one place that uh, you get a really good view, because as offensive linemen, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening behind you. But the one thing you really get a good view of is the D-line. And the D-line has this reputation for being always being eight guys deep, being able to rotate guys in and out. Have you already been able to, uh, to assess that and identify how good your D-line is? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they, they condition the offensive line through practice, leaving us in for multiple drives. And we'll see the first, second, and third string defensive line rotate in. And, yeah, they are they are all ridiculous. I mean, you know, they're they're all conditioned, too. That's just this, their style of play. They rotate during the games, and offensive linemen don't. So that's how we kind of keep conditioning from time to time. And, I mean, from the very top to the quote-unquote bottom of the list, which isn't a bottom of a list, they're uh, – they're really ridiculous, strong, long, hefty guys that 
are going to stuff holes, get movement, and really, really terrorize an offense. With this uh, name, image, and likeness spiel, I mean, you're a popular guy. Did, did you handle it yourself, or did you get people to help you? Uh, I handled it myself for the most part, but at the same time, I really haven't done much. Um, I've gotten a lot of opportunities, uh, which I've read through and seen, and you know, had some people overlook, um, mainly being compliance because we had got to go through our compliance system. And um, there's a lot of deals that I just, you know, felt like they're pretty good. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, focus on football and whatnot and make sure that this was the best year because we have a, something really special. So I felt like the development of the team was way more important than any NIL deal at the moment. So how about your teammates? Are Is the NIL thing kind of being spread around the roster a little bit, or are there you know, a few guys who've had bigger roles in the past and have bigger names and bigger presence who are, who are the ones being contacted the most? Uh, I think it's being spread. I mean, like recently there's a uh, – Moochie's reached out to us and did a, the entire offensive line in general, which was really cool. Um, I know that, uh, like Jaron, he has a skateboard deal. So is Devin Kafusi. And I heard TJ Pledger got a deal. There's there's multiple people, you know, who are her getting these deals and doing these things. But I feel like a lot of the kids on this team as well have the same mindset to where we understand the places that we could go. So we're more focused on that versus, you know, NIL and making money and doing all this stuff, which, I mean, it's always nice to make a little extra money. But at the same time, if you perform well and do well, you're not going to have to worry about that in the future. Do you watch uh, much college football on the opening weekend? Check anybody out? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Who impressed you? Uh, I would say UCLA. I was talking to my friend uh, Elijah Gidry, Javelin's brother. And uh, he was talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I was like, all right, man, let's see. Let's, let's watch it. And then, you know, them boys bought out. It's respect to them. They, they had a really good game um, watching. It was fun. I called him after the game. and You know, we were just chopping it up. He's a real good dude. I love that dude. Love his entire family. And, uh, you know, they're were, they were really good. I, I think so. I feel like their tempo picked up a lot compared to the past couple of years. And they're getting into that, you know, Chip Kelly-style offense. And it's going to that's, – that's a good team. I mean, like the Pac-12, the Pac-12 in general is just – filled with a bunch of good teams so well nick we look forward to talking to you all week long everybody's looking forward for uh your opener as well thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week good luck awesome have a good day nick ford utah offensive lineman is going to join us every week all season long and samson nakua byu wide receiver thanks to both of them for coming on here this morning dj and pk it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone it's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their season opener in Las Vegas to square off against Arizona. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7.30, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a brave new world, PK. Never been allowed to pay players to come on 
every week and talk about their teams. Now we can. So Samson Nakua and Nick Ford will be joining us to talk BYU and Utah every week, all season long. The other show is lining up other players as well. So you'll get a big dose of the player's voice here on the Zone Sports Network throughout the season. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's earth-shattering that they're going to get some money for it. The world's going to go on. Uh, Great. Way to go. Good for them. You know, these guys have played well and are willing to engage themselves. And so why not? I mean, it just it makes sense and it's it's not really that earth shattering. I think what you're going to see is the big dogs are just gonna give be bigger doggier. <laughs> bigger and doggier. Yeah. I mean Thibodeau and Eugene, he's going to be, you're going to see millionaires because Nike's just, it's going to be part of the deal. They know full well if I go there and I'm a great player, Nike's going to right down the street, they're going to give me massive amounts of money. So I think actually for the competitive balance, it'll be bad because there's very little competitive balance at the top now anyway. Uh, But. It's the price you pay. I mean, this is what we talked about. There is going to be issues, and and anything that comes along is not just going to be something that's going to be all great without any downside. Now Oregon's figuring there is no downside. It'll they don't they won't even have to mention it in their recruiting. They'll just simply know it. It'll be understood. Yeah. So for here locally, it's, it's another thing that you've got to try to overcome, and let these kids get a little bit of money along the way. Great. To me, it's it, that portion of it is not that big of a deal. The other stuff, well, the ones who have it are just going to have more of it. But the Utes, they find ways to win. That's good for them. R.J. Young has them number nine. R.J. Young and his, he dropped his top 25 this morning. This is fresh breaking news. He's got them at, at number nine. R.J. Young. I love that jersey thing where you run out of air. And you regroup and you start again. I mean, it's like a huddle, basically. It's a metaphor for life, man. You give all you got, you spent, you regroup, you get up, you do it again. He's got the Utah 9. Where does he have uh, Oregon, Washington, USC? Maybe your Devils. Do you know who R.J. Young is? Absolutely not. <laughs> He's the guy from Fox who said to Kyle, you know darn well what I'm talking about. Got him. Okay, I now mean, I got him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... And he challenged Kyle when, uh, who's a rival? Uh, meanwhile, who's a rival just builds up BYU. For Utah not wanting them to be a rival, they sure build up BYU. <laughs> That's one example. Oh, we can't play BYU next year because we're playing Florida. That's another example. That's an- <laughs> we can't play them because we're playing Michigan. That was another example. <laughs> they keep trying to minimize them, but yet what they actually are doing are building them up even more than probably they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't get that. They don't get that at all. That's the ironic part of it. You can't play. Can you imagine Alabama or SC? Well, we can't play this team because we're playing BYU. I mean, we can't end up looking play. They, they actually continue repeatedly to pay BYU the highest form of compliments. But he has Oregon, R.J. Young, at number 10. So all the Utes have to do is get past SC and uh, two words, two words, Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of symbolic of the level of 
progression that this program has made just years ago. You would know the year right off the bat uh, when he Kyle said two words, two words, bowl eligibility. I know it was five or six years ago. I couldn't give you the exact year off the top of my head, but that's what you're there for. And <laughs> you are. You can just boom, 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 boom. I think it was twenty fourteen. I know you. You know full well. Don't be embarrassed by what I say. I might be off by. You. I might be off by one year, but I don't think I am. But nobody I think it's thinks you are. And if you are, no one will know because they trust you one hundred percent. It was after they had their their two uh, yeah. five and seven seasons, right. and the assistants didn't get the contracts, and it was a whole thing. And they beat SC to get to six and one. So. Stewards, Stewards, right? Bowl so, eligible. I mean, it's not about bowl eligibility now. It's about Rose Bowl. You took bowl and moved it to second, and you replaced eligibility one word ahead with Rose. And so R.J. Young has them at nine ahead of Oregon, but he does have SC at seven. So right after the usual suspects of Oklahoma, Georgia, in order: Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Iowa State, SC, LSU, Utah, Oregon top 10 and then rounding out in the conference he's got the Sun Devils at 19 and University of Washington at 23 what where do you have USC what number seven seven okay I assume that SC stands for Southern California in not, red not South, South Carolina. Not South Carolina I hate that South Carolina needs to be South Carolina you don't get to be USC sorry well I know the uh, logo uh, there I think they once had an AD way back when who went from uh, USC to USC. I think he went from our USC to the other USC, uh, if I remember correctly. I was living in California at the time. And if, maybe I'm off, but I thought that's what it was. But so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's good respect for the conference. Uh, what, five teams or four? Three in uh, the top uh, ten and five in the top 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So five, that's about as good as the conference can expect. For being uh, an afterthought, as BYU fans will try to tell us, <laughs> BYU going to the Big 12, I've got all sorts of news on that. Yeah. Oh. But he's telling us we got to go. What is trending coming up next? Maybe we'll find a way to squeeze that in. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. Official depth chart will come out on Monday like we normally uh, do. You guys are smart people. You guys can figure out who the guys are that probably be in the mix. Look at last year's games and, and the newcomers, and then that's the fun in all of it, right? But I think we're, we're going to do just operate like how we normally do, which will be on Monday, and then we'll go from there. So I know you guys are on all the answers now, but uh, right now in, in the, this short few minutes, we went from naming a quarterback to you guys asking me how long the leash was and everything. So, you know, we're always going to try to accommodate you guys, but the depth chart will have to wait officially till Monday. That's Kalani Sataki on the depth chart reveal. How long is the leash? Just win, baby. For Jaron Hall, how long is the leash? Yeah, that was the question Kalani got that it sounded like he didn't really like, but he got it nonetheless. Oh, it's going to be all season. The only thing that's going to take him out is injury. Total confidence in Jaron Hall. I do. 
BYU Saturday night against Arizona. One Pac-12 team kicking it off this week. UCLA blew out Hawaii 44-10. It was 24-3 after one quarter. That was a whooping. They ran the ball at will, but the passing game, not so much. Uh, Because Hawaii was coming off his best week of practice that they've ever had. Best warm-up of their year. (laughs) Those of you who don't know, Hawaii's former coach used to be the Arizona State coach. and that guy coach. Todd Graham. (laughs) Todd Graham, yes, was at ASU. And at ASU, he could always find a superlative for practice. This is the best Tuesday practice we've had all year. (laughs) Best Wednesday afternoon practice we've had all year. I think this is the essence of the Pac-12, and it has been for a number of years. This is a team that isn't expected to be cracking national rankings and making runs at high-level bowl games, but on a particular Saturday, they can beat you. They're more equipped now than they have been in several years to beat you. Whether they will or not remains to be seen, but they're going to be a tough out going forward. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR. 10 of 20 throwing the ball, not the completion percentage anybody's looking for. Now, they ran it so well, and they led early. It didn't matter, but you could see where down the line it would. Down the line being, you know, next week against LSU. Oh, yeah, it's a gigantic game, obviously, against LSU. The Charbonneau kid. What's he? Is he a Michigan transfer? Yes, a Michigan transfer. Six carries. Six carries, three touchdowns. 106 yards. Yep. So, you know, you have to keep abreast of all these transfers, and they're hard to do. You hear about them, or even you don't hear about them because there's so many of them. And then the season starts, oh, where'd this kid come from? So you got to go back and research it. And, you know, in my research for Pac-12 Media Day, I was aware of him. You don't know what they're going to do, and they haven't played. I mean, the Utes have got the two things here with Curry and Pledger and actually a junior college kid in Thomas. So you don't know. Uh, but uh, looking, it was against Hawaii, so you can't go crazy. Even this kid looked good, and they got a running game there. And DTR likes to run around a little bit. Made a horrendous decision to hurdle some kid, and the kid was up for it, <laughs> literally, <laughs> and it didn't work. Uh, so keep your feet on the ground there, buddy. You want to slide, especially in the game where it was clear the complexion of the game after a couple series. And all right, this we know how this is going to end, which uh, would probably explain. Why uh, Charbonneau only got the uh, the six carries. Keep him under wraps. Keep him healthy for LSU. LSU uh, moved operations to Houston ahead of Hurricane Ida, which roared ashore into Louisiana yesterday. Tulane, which opens at Oklahoma, relocated to Birmingham, Alabama, to prepare with that Category 4 storm making things impossible in New Orleans. So they have moved. Uh, the other games in the uh, Mountain West, there were three teams playing Hawaii got blown out, but San Jose State took care of Southern Utah. 45-14, you were talking about Nick Starkle earlier in the show. 394 yards, four touchdowns. He made it look easy. Yeah, they were basically moving the ball at will. He did have one pick six there. Fresno State blows out UConn 45 to nothing. Jake Hayner throws for 331 yards and three touchdowns as another Mountain West team picks up the victory. A four-person Big 12 subcommittee tasked with exploring expansion held a video conference on Friday. Texas Tech AD Kirby Hokett told ESPN, nobody in the Big 12 has directly contacted any other schools about membership yet. Not to my knowledge, he said, there's nothing imminent. The Big 12 will probably slow play expansion. Their goal is to keep Oklahoma and Texas in the league and 
Keep that, uh, I think they're like $28 million or something. Keep those big paydays rolling in as long as possible while Oklahoma and Texas look for a way to leave early if possible and take their TV money with them. See how that plays out. But expect the Big 12 to slow play things here. In their world, they don't need to move here for another three or four years. Oh, ideally. That's, that's not true. <laughs> They're going to move very, very quickly. You think? Oh, yes. So tell us what you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who's contacted whom, but they want BYU. I mean, I'm looking at my phone right now. ESPN's got a whole story <laughs> out about average viewership. Uh, if a game's on ABC, Fox, or ESPN, and BYU's numbers are only a little below uh, what the Big 12 has been doing. And then they have another set of numbers if you're on ESPN2, ESPNU, FS1. And BYU's numbers there are better than what the Big 12 has been doing without Oklahoma and Texas. So story made it pretty clear. that, And they also went in later on to, uh, I'll tweet out the story if you're into that kind of thing, that how much more valuable BYU is than Houston, than Cincinnati, than Boise State. They had all the numbers for those schools comparing them to each other. But made it really clear that BYU is target one. Yeah. If BYU wants in, they're getting in. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. Patriots coach Bill Belichick not ready to name his starting quarterback for the opener against the Dolphins. He said, we still have a lot of decisions to make. It's Cam Newton versus Mac Jones, the rookie out of Alabama that they drafted midway through the first round. So Bill Belichick keeping his his cards close to his chest. Is it the vest or is it the chest? Well, I guess it's the hoodie, realistically. But I think it's the vest. Yeah, I don't think you know. It's, it's not the body part that he keeps you close to. In a preview of what might be to come, the Niners platooned Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. They end up beating the Raiders thirty-four to ten in their preseason finale. Come on, an NFL team isn't really going to alternate quarterbacks, are they? I don't think so. They're not really going to do that. But you can throw that so. out there to be cute, but you're not going to do it. Jets make a trade for Shaq Lawson in exchange for a 2022 sixth-round pick. They've got to replace Carl Lawson, who they lost to the uh, the injury, so he's down. Well, you lost Lawson's. You replace him with another Lawson. One Lawson for another. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. John Rondo likely headed back to Los Angeles to rejoin the Lakers after he reached an agreement on a contract buyout with the Memphis Grizzlies. He was traded there earlier in the offseason. It's a sham, PK. What is? We're trading you. We're buying you out. Why don't you go back to the team you were just on? We're talking about John Rondo? Yep. Okay, you have good fun with that one. Kevin Love, Cavaliers forward, no interest in negotiating a buyout. He's got two years and $60 million left on his contract, his agent told ESPN. Cavaliers have periodically explored trading Love, a scenario he supports, but they've been unable to find a deal they like for him. He's been injured for like five years. Yeah, two years and $60 million is a lot of money for a guy who isn't going isn't gonna to play that many games. And the NBA announced that uh, it struck a deal with the Referees Association and all the referees are going to be required to be vaccinated in this coming season. The NBA with plans for anybody who's going to be around the players will be fully vaccinated. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
The Dodgers and Giants playoff race, they continue to shadow each other, and they were both shut out on Sunday. Way to stay equal, guys. Rockies 5-0 over the Dodgers. Rockies took two out of three in that series. Braves 9-0 over the Giants. Uh, since the All-Star break, they've just been matching each other. Giants 27-13, Dodgers 26-13. and Trading punches back and forth here. Both playing at a pretty good clip since, well, all year long, but definitely since the All-Star break as well. Javier Baez firing back at booing Mets fans. A thumbs down to the crowd. They beat the Nationals 9-4. Sandy Alderson, the team president, said Mets fans are understandably frustrated over the team's recent performance. They're 4-12 in their last 16 games. Uh, he, players of the organization, are equally frustrated, but fans of City Field have every right to express their own disappointment. Booing is every fan's right, and the Mets will not tolerate any player with a gesture that is unprofessional in its meaning or is directed in a negative way towards our fans. I'll be meeting with our players and staff to convey this message directly. Care about a thumbs down? I think it's stupid. I think you should just put your head down and play. You know, if uh, they throw beer on you like you fans did in droves to Max Hall's mother, that's one thing. Uh, or any type of obscenity and obviously racial undertone, overtone, whatever it is, that's not acceptable. But, the, but simply booing, whatever, man. Play better. I mean, you, I wouldn't think you'd want to get into a battle with Met fans because it's just going to escalate, and you're not going to win that battle. So don't start that battle. Don't be a part of that battle. Just ignore it. Mets have gone 4-12, and 12, and over the same stretch, the Yankees have been playing great baseball. They had their long winning streak, but now Oakland beat them twice, Saturday and Sunday. A's get them 3-1. Uh, to one. So the Yankees surging, but inevitably, I guess they had to cool off a little bit there. Oh, I'd fire Aaron Boone there. Come on, man. He lost two in a row. What are you thinking now? We're getting down to you know, the pennant stretch. If you're not playing good ball last week of August, lose two in a row. I'll bring back the ghost of Ralph Halk. They give up a game to the Rays. The Rays beat the Orioles 12-8. The Rays just annihilating the Orioles this year. 19 games, they won 18 of them. That one loss to the Orioles. Hmm. I bet you they're hoping they get him in the playoffs then. <laughs> yeah. The Orioles 40 and 89, nowhere near any postseason for Baltimore. Last time, well, the Dodgers won the World Series last year, but before then, the last time they won, they had like 1 in 12 or something against the Mets, and then they beat him in the postseason. So you never know. Yeah, and obviously Baltimore's not going to be anywhere near the postseason, so it won't happen. 49 games under 500. And the Red Sox also got beat. Indians took them down 7-5. Bees shut out by Tacoma 3-0. Teams play again tonight, 8 o'clock. Steve Clark will be on the air here on the Zone Sports Network at 7.50. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL blown out by Vancouver, 4-1, to one, the early second half, those first 25 minutes out of the locker room. Vancouver just running RSL off the field, one goal after another, one mistake after another. A couple of my guys who don't normally start, and it's easy to say, well, there was a lot of turmoil with the coach leaving to take a job as an assistant in Seattle. Freddie Juarez taking off, but Vancouver fired their coach on Friday, despite going unbeaten in the last eight games, three wins and five ties. So they had plenty of turmoil, and they answered the bell. 
turmoil. It's just turmoil in that league, man. Those, those guys go through so much. I, I, I finally had some disappointment in you. It was good to hear, man. The commentator curse when they scored that first one. You felt disappointed. <laughs> I had just pointed out you could, how well they'd been defending set pieces, and immediately on the next set piece, they give up an own team, goal. And of course you're going to feel disappointed. I, ugly, I like that. Ugly goal. I like that. And you were hurt. It's your team. You wanted to win. You've been trying to hide it on our show because I pointed it out. And to hear you be that disappointed in your voice, you could just I felt bad for you. I don't think you did. I did. Nope, you're but lying to me. I can tell you, man. I've had, all this time, you still can't be honest. I've had nine foreign people reach out to me for this job. It was seven. No, was I've like, had nine. You've had nine. Two mm-hmm. more than Dunny, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys oh. were debating whether it's a good job. Well, you were debating with yourselves. He likes to go out people on Twitter, or is that the deal here? Non-stop on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> Non-stop. <laughs> Who cares? He's, he's on Twitter during Twitter's games. Twitter's not real world, man. It's yeah. like 20% I don't of actually. People. I can't actually tell because he's also texting with people during games. Of course there's yeah. going to be people who want the job. The line would be from here to Terre Haute. Random Indiana town? No. Okay. Christmas story? <laughs> no. Okay. Our, I mean, this is a big Christmas story community. Uh, yes. Are here to uh, down to Rio Tinto Stadium. I mean, the, how many jobs are out there? I don't think you have to defend it. I think it's obvious. RSL back in action Saturday. They welcome NFC Dallas to Rio Tinto Stadium. Six o'clock, 13 games to go in the season. 13. Six teams fighting for the last two playoff spots, all separated by three points. I enjoyed that ball game last night. I tell you, man, I was watching it, taking notes. I liked that little scuffle. And what was there kid, Rusnak? He was going to settle it, so I call up his thing. 5'9", 135 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that makes him slightly above average in the world of soccer. Who in the world is he going to scare about 135 pounds? A bunch of 5'6 and 5'7 guys. <laughs> the dudes he's playing against. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Could you imagine an NBA player or... Yeah, just about no, any soccer of players are much smaller. <laughs> they're, they're smaller than baseball players. Baseball players have gotten. Aaron much Judge bigger. would put his hand on his oh, head yeah, and he'd yeah. be swinging like an arm's length. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see the guys during the game who look like the big guys, but then when you stand next to them, they're five eleven. It's just <laughs> the smaller guys. Did you tell? Did you tell Pablo of our connection? No, I did not. Oh. I know you were jealous of that. I don't know why. <laughs> Are you jealous of that? I know why. No, I think that needs, he needs to be surprised on the air. That needs to be, they, we need to get maximum impact with that. We'll see if we can get him on this week and advance that game with Dallas. What is trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call him at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up. We've already heard from Samson Nakua and Nick Ford, the Cougar wide receiver, the Utah offensive lineman. They're going to join us every week all year long. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, is coming up at 9.30 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes get set for an in-state showdown against Weber State at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Catch the Ute pregame show Thursday at 4, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. Ah! From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. 
Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Just tweeted out the story about uh, BYU, the Big 12, why BYU is so attractive to the Cougars. Their TV numbers are really good when you compare them to Big 12 games that don't involve Oklahoma and Texas. And obviously at some point going forward, whether it's in two years, three or four, however that exit gets negotiated, the Big 12 will be without the Longhorns and the Sooners. And BYU's numbers stack up, look really good, especially compared to Houston, Cincinnati, Boise State, other teams that have been linked to the Big 12. And I think we're all assuming that the remaining eight need to add at least two teams, maybe four, maybe more than that, but it seemed like two and four would be pretty clear. So BYU is in a pretty good place there. Of course, as we were talking about last week, without Oklahoma and Texas in the league, do you want to go? How much do you love being independent? How much do the Cougars love it? Ah, what to do? I don't think they love it. I think that it's a manageable situation in which they have an opportunity to flourish. But they've been on record. It reminds me, the TV numbers remind me of Dennis Lindsay, who's a Big 12 guy with his Baylor past. Oh, yeah. He says, what you do with the analytics, you make sure that it matches what you're seeing. And yes. there's got to be that direct line drawn between what you see, what you believe, and the numbers. And the that's eyeball, what, that, yes. That's the eyeball like, test and the analytics need yeah. to match up, and if they don't, then you need to go, go back, back and, and figure, figure out, out why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so he's spoken about that at length. Well, in this case, yeah. they do, though. They, but it was obvious. Yeah. I already knew it. But now you got it. Okay, it showed, it. that's the point of analytics, to back up what, what you, you believe or tell yes. you something that you need to look at it differently. It's a two-way deal. And so here, BYU, of course they do. We already know that. We know it. I've seen it a million times over as I've been on the road with Cougar basketball and Cougar football, literally all parts of the country. You name a part, and I've been there. And yeah, I've been everywhere. And every conference. Well, it's just you know the product of being around for a long time and having the job in which you do that. So it's just the reality of the situation. I've seen it a million times over. From the big boys down to the small boys, and when they used to play West Coast Conference or Big West teams when they were not in the conference in hoops, those programs. Pepperdine, they'd overrun the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one time, you're right. It was a, like a 4 o'clock start, and it was a great, gorgeous day, and you could see, the obviously, you could see the ocean from their uh, pavilion, whatever it was, Firestone, Fire, Fieldhouse, whatever it's called. That's it. Although, I think they're getting a new one. Oh, they are? Uh, nice. And, and, but, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, Paul Westfall, was, he was the coach, and at the time, he's coming out and thanking people, and I think he was thinking, wow, our fans are really behind us. <laughs> <laughs> it's just these Cougars that are all over the place. I remember one time they played him, and Ben Olsen, who was a, a senior, I think, uh, was there getting ready to make a commitment. He came out. So we know that they're there, and as far as it goes, the, the, this, these remaining eight are determined to make a run of it, and I think that they should because I don't think that it is an awful conference by any stretch if you add BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. I don't really care if they want to go uh, another four, a fourth team, if they just go two or four. It's not like it's dog meat by any stretch. And then if you look at basketball, basketball would be awesome. 
Basketball would be awesome. <laughs> it's just not the point in all this realignment. But, no, but nevertheless. Baylor's the defending champs. Kansas is a legendary program. So just starting there with those two. But plenty of these other teams have been good at times. They've Texas all had Tech their was runs. in the final. Now the guy left to go to Texas as right. the head coach. Oklahoma State but has had good Oklahoma teams. Oklahoma State's over the years. been there. Yes. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa State. State has had good teams. Yeah. Right. And then you throw in. And, if you're bringing uh, and Cincinnati in, has been good. Cincinnati's been good. BYU and Houston have had good teams. And then so. if you add BYU with Mark Pope, I think there's a chance Mark Pope want to stay right there. What more would you need? I mean, you would have. You could win the title from that league. Because Baylor yeah. just did. And you're already right. recruiting at a higher level, and then you add these teams that you're going to play, playing a real conference with not a bunch of high school gyms that nobody gives a crap about. Yeah, you, Mark Pope, you'd be giving him the keys to the kingdom, basically. I would so love see, to see what he would do in that conference. So we see multiple reasons why Big 12 schools should be thinking about adding BYU. It's a no-brainer. I believe it for is. multiple reasons. Yeah. But the other part of the equation is, how much does BYU like their current situation? And do they want to go to something that is at least to some degree an unknown and not stable? If any of those teams got offered by power leagues, they'd be off. Now, I don't think they're going to be offered, so I don't think a bunch of teams are going to be taken off. I think it's the big reason they're going to stay together. you got to be bold, though. You want answers. They're not there. You need to take a risk. You can't just sit. If there's no risk, then there's no doubt what to do. That's not the reality of the situation. So what? ESPN's driving it big time. That's what I've been told. And so you've got the relationship there. Why couldn't you go back to independent there? And then if you wanted to save face the Mountain West, I believe that there's multiple conferences courting BYU. I think the AAC would would take them now. BYU's position has grown exponentially, and in a large part because Texas and Oklahoma took off. Now I can hear Ute fans, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, that's right. You were in the Pac-12 in the first place, so shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Because Texas Texas and Oklahoma Oklahoma get to do whatever they want. (laughs) And it turned out, back in the day, they said no. And that allowed you to get in, and I am eternally grateful. That gave us a great shot in the arm. But their brand names make them heavyweights. They get to do whatever they want. And BYU's not on that level. No one's saying that they are. But their leverage has increased a lot because of that. Because they're the number one candidate. And it... Yeah, I don't care whether you believe me or not. It doesn't matter. I'm too far into the business to believe, to worry about whether you believe people are telling me something or I'm making it up. I really don't care. I, I mean, I have the job that my bosses trust. I know what I'm doing, and I go to bed at night knowing that I don't say anything. I screw around a lot, but when I say stuff that is real news, it's based on uh, intel, as they say. And so... Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not saying that, but I believe that they're in the driver's seat, and if they want to go, they're going to have this opportunity. They have to figure all this stuff out, what's in their best interest and all. I don't know what Tom Homo was thinking. I have not spoke to him about it, nor would he tell me about it, so I'm not claiming that by any stretch. But there's folks out there who have an idea, and I don't think from BYU's perspective it's a big deal if we get some tidbits or whatnot. We're not going to undermine it by any stretch, and who cares? Uh, I think that excites your fan base. It doesn't uh, ruin it. It doesn't ruin the deal. I think this stuff with the uh, 
the social stuff that's been out there. I, somebody report you guys would remember it because you read the Athletic both of you uh, more than I do. Uh, somebody said that the people who were concerned about the LGBTQT thing. I hope I got that right. I should write that down or remember it. LGBTQ. Uh, that the, a lot of those folks are gone now. Yeah, I think Max, it was, was, Max Olson's report had a is source. Is he an athletic guy? Yeah, he works for the athletic. Yeah, he so I want to make sure I give him, him credit. The Big 12 folks who had issues with it in the past are leaving the conference. Yeah, yeah. Although I, you know, I've heard some, I don't know if you'd call them BYU people, but they've been uh, trying to start something to uh, get uh, BYU that doesn't get it into the conference because there's a lot of people who have a lot of animosity over their policies and the Holland talk that he gave what was it uh, was it a week ago today I think maybe uh, that, that stirred some interest and people Gordon told me that he wrote an article on it and it's break it broke records it broke records I don't personally understand it it seems I, I again I haven't listened to the talk or read it I don't know if it's available in printed form but it seems like those policies, maybe I'm off base on this, but it seems like this is what they've been. They've been this way for a good long time, and they're probably not changing anytime soon. So, uh, But if the Big 12 can deal with that and they can deal with the Sunday play, and really that's about it. Are there other issues out there that I'm unaware of that would be an impediment? I would think those are the two. Yeah. And the people who had an issue... Last time can be leaving, but that means, and, and that, I guess that references the schools leaving and the leadership of those schools, but the leadership of these schools is always turning over. So I don't know you can 100% forecast how any of those school leaders might react if it becomes an issue going forward. And well, I, and, I, mean, and I don't I, think BYU's ever going to say, yep. We support gay marriage. I just don't think that's going to happen. Right. So if if this expansion thing is moving forward in a year or two or whatever the timeline turns out to be, who are the people in place? How does the public pressure come down? If it does, yeah, I think those are all unknowns. So, yes, the people are moving on. I trust the reporting on that. But what will that mean in 18 months? Well, everybody has a price. Oh, I think I think it'll, it'll be long decided between now and eighteen months. I don't think it's. Gonna you think take they're going to move? You think they're going to move quick here? Well, I don't know. Is it, what is eighteen months quick? What, I mean, I think for the viability of the conference, they've got to move somewhat in a timely manner. They want to hold on to Texas and Oklahoma and that TV money as long as possible. Yeah, but, but that, if, that, that, if that moves quick, this will be right behind. They're going to negotiate a buyout on that. It's not going to wait. Nothing. Nothing waits. Yeah. Lawyers. <laughs> Especially because you could get the Cougars in immediately. Right. Unlike the, everybody else, they don't have to give yeah. notice to another conference or pay some huge buyout. And I don't know what those other buyouts are for... for uh, for American athletic teams, yeah, or which is Boise if they go that direction, yeah. or yeah, I'm not sure what I have no, well, I have no idea actually. And BYU has to figure out what they're going to do with their contracts and all if they decide to go. Under no circumstance am I saying that they have decided that they're going to go. I just think that they're in a good position if they want to go, they can get to go. And I, I, I think of the from the fan base perspective, you look at it and. I think it's a good deal. I think it's a decent it's a decent conference. Is it better than the Mountain West? Yes. Is it financially better? Yes. 
Is it financially better than independence? Probably. That is the assumption. Yeah. Uh, that BYU right now is between six and ten million on their independent deal. And we don't know exactly what the Big Twelve would look like going forward, but if it lost half its value, it would still be fourteen million. So that's still an upgrade. Yeah, dollars and cents would dictate. And you'd get some Exposure. Yeah. What about exposure? I think, how would it change? Every game on TV anyway? Yes. So, you know, you're probably still going to have to play a lot of your games at 8 o'clock at night. That would be a wash. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what you're doing now anyway, right? To a, to a large extent. Mm-hmm. Aren't the first, uh, well, the first two games are at 8. Aren't, uh, the first three, I thought. Yeah, Isn't I thought Arizona the first. State? It's usually. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Is it, that their it, third game? Yes, yeah, number three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, their home games, the 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 BYU TV game is an afternoon game in yeah, November. Outside and of maybe they get one other. USC was an afternoon game. Sure. But generally, they're going to play four or five games at home. The kickoff at 820 or whatever. Same with the Utes. Yes. Welcome to this part it's of the country. Same with the Aggies. Yeah. Welcome to this part of the country. Yeah. It's just the way it is now, so I don't know that that's ever going to change. It'll be interesting to see with the Pac-12 going forward here if they can get two games a week into an earlier time slot. I'm trying to see what's the negative. Oh, they're not going to be considered a Power 5 and you won't get an automatic bid into the playoff. You don't have that anyway. Right. <laughs> Depending so. on what the playoff looks like going forward... They expand the playoff. There could be better access. Well, what's we'll the difference? BYU's going to make. No, we're not going to go in for that one because season. we don't have a guarantee to get in the playoff. When the for crap that. you getting in the playoff anyway? <laughs> Once every twenty years, if things break your way. I mean, you already wrecked everything, and they changed it in nineteen eighty four. Yes, <laughs> so. and you got uh, twelve and zero, and they told you thanks, but no thanks, and finished yeah. twelve and two. So I don't so that know that that's a big deal. Right? Yeah. And the bowl games, eh. bowl games, who knows what bowl games are going to be like in even five years. It seems like they're so watered down now. Well, as we see more and more players opting out, yes, without question. So, But you'd have better access to bowls, I would think, for whatever that's worth. Uh, would you? What's the difference? I, I, those things are becoming more and more an afterthought. That is true. Uh, they're like a necessary evil now. Hardly anybody wants to do it, and but you got to have it. So it's like going to the dentist. It's like a chef. Who wants to, like go to, to go to a dentist? Nobody does, but you got to go. And I love my dentist people. My guy, big BYU fan, love him dearly. I mean, he he's uh, working on my teeth. What do you think the Cougars are going to be? Oh, <laughs> You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the Jazz in this playoff series? <laughs> yeah, right? So I- I'm wondering, BYU fans, how, where are you? How are you hanging on? Because what is negative about this? You can even hold on to some of the big games you got going forward. I mean, you'll still have three or four non-league games. You have to let some stuff go. Some years, that's not really a factor. The schedule isn't that good. There are some series out there that BYU fans might find juicy, but you can preserve some of those. To an extent, sure. Yeah, yeah, have, yeah. Have to pick and choose. Can't save them all. 
Well, the 2024 season, they only have two Power 5 games. You think set. you're going to go into Stillwater and just roll over those guys every year? Nobody does, or every other year. No. They're up there in Ames, Iowa. Well, they have it going now. Morgantown, <laughs> West have been, Virginia. There have been years where you could just go up there and roll Iowa State. And like, as there have been in every team, every yeah. conference. Yeah, but like a decade ago, right at the end of the Mountain West era, Utah went back there and won like 67 to Not 14 great. or something. That's 10 years Annihilated them. And they got a good coaching staff there now, and they've been crushing it. They nearly won the league last year. Sure, keep going to Phoenix, get your quarterbacks, and you're good to go. Brock Purdy and steal our guys, or our guys want to be stolen. Uh, so I, I just don't, I don't see a downside to it. I'm trying to figure it out. You can sit around and wait for the Pac-12 to invite you. You'll be an, an old maid. You got an opportunity there to establish something. Because I, I think the fans want it. The fans want to follow a conference race. It goes back to what Jake Scott so accurately said years ago. On so many of these teams they play, when the clock hits zero, we don't ever pay attention to them again. Now, it'll be a little different this year because of the the number of Pac-12 teams. If you could get a scheduling agreement with Pac-12, if you could manage to get five games with Pac-12 teams every year, I'd mm. be all for it. But you can't. This right. is a high watermark. Right. This is, this is great. an unusual year, and you can enjoy it and soak it up, but... And it'll be fun because then you can, especially with Utah being in the South and you're playing these South teams, and you can look, oh, we beat them, you beat them, we lost to them, but you beat them. And that's, I think fans want that, man. They want more of an engagement than they're getting with being an independent. And if you can't be in a conference race yourself, maybe you could be a spoiler or something. Give the schedule a little more juice. After we get past Boise State, this is an unusual year. They have a good October schedule this year, but there are a lot of years where October doesn't doesn't have doesn't have doesn't pack the wall up at packs this year. And I think for recruiting, it would help. I think because you're already selling guys. Uh, come here, and a lot of them come there because of the BYU experience. Uh, nobody can out Mormon BYU. Let's just call it like it is. You can get it other places, but you can't get it to the level. I don't know how many teams are starting practice with the prayer and all that. And for those folks, I don't scoff at that at all. That is very, very important to a lot of people, and good for them. I'm all for it. And you get that at BYU, and that's and, and a lot of those kids, they want that. That's what they're used to. That's what they grew up in. It's very, very important to them, and I applaud their conviction. I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like at 19 or now 18 to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give all this up for two years. It's just I applaud each and every young lad and, and the ladies who do that too because it takes a lot. And so that's important to them. And so you already got that going. Then you add in some of these other things that could be playing these teams. I mean, if you can't play Oklahoma, why not play Oklahoma State? DJ and PK, if you missed it earlier this morning, Samson Nakua, Nick Ford, BYU wide receiver, Utah offensive lineman, both joined us. And catch those interviews at 1280thezone.com. It is all online. We're streaming there. Grab your phone. 
Use the app. Use our app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. BYU to the Big 12. You like it? You don't like it? What are you thinking? We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60. Weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Let's get down to the ground, move on to the next play. Over 100 yards rushing now for UCLA. UCLA blows out Hawaii. That's the longest touchdown run of the game. That's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 4.50. And you can win fabulous prizes during the big show. PK, UCLA making quick work of Hawaii. 24-3 after one quarter. They go on to win 44-10. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 10-20 of for 130 yards. They look great working Hawaii. But if they can't throw the ball any better than that, what does that mean for the Bruins the rest of this season? And that sounds like a loaded question. It sounds like I have low expectations for the Bruins for the rest of the season. Which I, I do if he's going to throw the ball like that. I don't need to throw the ball like that. Did he throw wobbly passes? More importantly, he threw incomplete passes. Um, he threw just as many completions as he threw incompletions. That's not good enough. If you're running for that type of yardage, it is. Go look at what Air Force does. Sure it is. It's all about winning games. If they can run the ball like that, why would you throw? He's not a big-time pocket passer. Never has been. We've seen him now for three years. You expecting that to change? They're looking to get seven wins, seven, eight wins. I mean, that's their legitimate goal. They've got to show some progress. That's where they're at. Five straight losing seasons for the UCLA Bruins. Their longest stretch in almost a century. He's like 10 and... uh, Chip Kelly's uh, career record at UC Los Angeles matches. It's very close to what DTR's passing numbers were. I think he's like 10 and 21 or something like that. Something along those lines. So they're looking to be a tough out rather than being beaten like they did to Hawaii. So... I mean, he doesn't have to throw the ball like he's Tom Brady or Slovis cross town for them to get to there. They want to get to 11, 12 wins, yeah, of course, but that's not where they're at as a program. I was just miffed that there was no game after that. thought there'd be a game in that window on Saturday, and there wasn't. They should have laid it out with all five games going yeah, back. It's back, not back, week back. zero. It's week one. You can call it whatever you want. I don't care. It's when college football started. Uh, so, and then I found that there was no game, and I said, oh, it's a little later. I'm going to go play nine holes. So I tell the old lady, hey, let's go. So we go up to Mountain Dell, and it was uh, hastily arranged. And I get up there and realize I got no golf shoes. 
Oops. <laughs> Please don't say you were in flip-flops, though. I was in Crocs. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> I bought these Army Crocs probably 10, 15 years ago. And uh, that's what I was wearing because they're easy to just slip on and slip off, right? And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to be walking. I'm just going to go to the golf course, play nine holes because it's like a quarter to six, and then I'm going to come home and watch uh, some baseball and some football, right? And so I realized, and I have two set, two golf sets of golf shoes, and I always keep one in one's car, one in the other. Somewhere along the line, they ended up both in my little truck, and you weren't in your that, little truck that I lease <laughs> from Tim Daly Southtown, and it wasn't there. They, they were both well, they were both in the truck, and we had my wife's car. And uh oh, so so how'd you play in Crocs? I didn't. I took them off. I I I wore them. Then I'd go to the tee. Then I'd slip out of them because there was no way. It's way too loose. Sliding all over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. So I actually played uh, barefoot on the right foot, which is my plant foot, and then I had the little ankle uh, sock on the left foot. So, uh, and it wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> Golfing Jim McMahon style. I know. He's, I've heard he's famous for that. And I don't like to do that. I, I, the last thing I want is to draw attention to myself for being an individual. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have some piercing or whatever. Oh, I'm different or orange hair. I, I want to blend in as much as I possibly can. So I don't do anything along those lines. And there's that one hole, I think it's the fourth hole, you got to hit over the little ravine there, and there's the little lake off to the left. And the 12th hole is right there. The tee boxes are back-to-back separated by a little uh, cart path. And so I get up there, and I hit. I hit great shot straight over, right in the fairway, end up parring a hole. And the guy's on the 12th hole. Oh, good shot. And I think, oh, they were watching me. I didn't know they were watching me. I didn't know I had an audience. And I made sure I said, yeah, not bad because I, I forgot my golf shoes. I'm not trying to be this free-spirited individual over here. <laughs> More info than they wanted. <laughs> and the guy says, well, maybe that helps you concentrate. And the funny thing, on the outside of my big toe, when I got done, I had a big grass stain. I must that tells you. Yeah. <laughs> that, that tells you. <laughs> it's all about the ground these days, PK. Got to get the power. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I drove the ball well. The other portions of the game, I think I was four over for the nine holes. So it was, it was okay. Did you uh, check out that playoff on Sunday? That was Saturday. Sunday, 15th playoff on tour this year. Oh, for six, sure, yeah. Six holes. We, had, we haven't just had playoffs. We've had like three or four really long playoffs. I saw too. the whole thing. Cantley's your guy. You picked him for a major this year. I can't remember which one. If it was yeah. Masters or PGA, it was early. It's not can't lay. It's can't miss. <laughs> Money. I mean, my You made a lot of putts. Big time. I and mean, you can have the 350-yard drive all you want, Mr. DeChambeau. But you're on that green, and it ain't about power. It's about willpower. Oh, that was deep. I like that. Man. You guys can use that. I'm going to tell Monson. He likes to spin phrases. 
I'm locked in, he said. I'm as focused as I can be. I kind of let the chips fall where they do. Try not to get caught up in being outdriven 45 yards or whatever it is. I just try to lock in and do my absolute best in that moment, and my best is pretty good. (laughs) So many putts he drained. I mean, it was just absolutely awesome. And in that uh, next-to-last hole, DeChambeau puts it about five feet. Freaking Cantley goes inside. He and, puts it at two feet. And he was outside when he won it. He made the, yeah. they said it was a 17-footer, and then DeChambeau missed from eight. I thought it was 20, but if they said 17, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, and I knew he was going to win because he was so hot with the putter, and that's what matters. And his first name is Patrick, and he was born on Patrick, St. Patrick's Day. How about that? March 17, 1992. DJ and PK, Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach, is coming up at 9.30. Stay with us. Football Friday presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. I say yes to Stonehaven Dental. Got a uh, poll question up here, PK. What should BYU do? Join the Big 12, the Mountain West, the AAC, stay independent. College football getting ready for another round of realignment. Where should the Cougars be for the next decade or so? It's overwhelming. BYU fans want the Big 12. 75% of about 200 votes. 12% for staying independent. 10% for the Mountain West. 2% for the old AAC. Constant critic at Dr. Dave Kimball says, 100% join. No question. Last chance to join the big boys. Won't ever be another chance, even if this one is unstable. That's what I put uh, up on Facebook, and um, I would assume that there would be a positive response towards the Big 12. I mean, couldn't you always go back to what you have? Back to independent in the WCC? Maybe the WCC would be a little miffed, but my guess is they'd get over it. I mean, a, l- a little myth, but they got to be realistic. They know what's going on with football in this country. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, you're forced to be where you It's yeah, the Big 12. Yeah. It's, I mean, really, it would be kind of, I would think, parallel to what happened with all the shuffle the last time around. Yeah. I mean, the Mountain West didn't like that Utah was leaving. It was like, oh, yeah, but we'd all do the same thing. So we can't really be that upset. They were upset. furious about BYU, but they right. too, yeah. yeah. They, 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 they understood. Yeah, what are you going to do? They, every, every single one of them would take it if presented with that opportunity. So I think it would be the same thing. At that point, yeah. So, I don't... If the, the worst case scenario is it collapses. Uh, all right, then you go back. You know you can work as an independent. Take this opportunity. If you have to go back to it, you go back to it. That's the way I think that most people think. Tony says only if the Big 12 stays at a Power 5 level and it's an increase in revenue. I think it'll be an increase in revenue, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're going to be referring to Power 5 going forward. Why not? What's the difference? Oklahoma and Texas are gone. <laughs> and they're viewed as the big boys. And Texas isn't. Texas isn't winning that league. 
Okay, but th- let's not call it a Power Five then. Uh, is the ACC a Power Five minus Clemson? And I realize North Carolina's built it up a little bit here under Mac Brown, but come on. Is there is the ACC is there a reconstituted Big 12 with Cincinnati? And right now, Cincinnati's on top of the world, and who's to say they stay? But and who's to say any of them stay? You just don't know. But maybe if they got in, Luke Fickle might decide, hey, this is plenty good enough. Uh, and Houston's had runs, and and who else? Uh, who else are we talking about? Oh, Central Florida, Central Florida! My goodness, come on! Where were they? Where are they? How are they hanging on? <laughs> They're not in San Bernardino. <laughs> no, because they don't. Well, they are not recruiting because they'll play BYU. Dave says it's a no-brainer to join. Shed the G five label. Recruiting world would go way up. They don't have the G5 label. And it's these labels. I just think for the fans, it would be more fun. You get to follow teams. In three the or four years, you would be up, so yeah. up to date with all these teams so, in the conference. So many games on the weekend matter. Because your game matters. Yeah, and you get to but follow. Now, right, the other games matter. It's like you fans will be checking USC and Arizona State every week. Of course. They're in it. They matter. It's what we do in right. conferences. Sure. You did it in the Mountain West? You, you did fans, it in the WAC? Even though it was a lopsided game and it wasn't entertaining at all, you know you fans were checking in on that UCLA game. It's Is one, Chip it's Kelly ready to make the jump? Year. Is Chip Kelly ready to make the jump with that team? Are I mean, they legit? I mean, I think the Utes beat them, but I think it's going to be harder than where they've just rolled over them the last few times, it seems to me. So, yeah, that's, that's part of it. And then basketball? Basketball doesn't hold a backseat to the Pac-12 by any stretch. I'm not sure who it holds a backseat to. Well, it depends on the year. Recently, I think there's some years where you could say nobody. Uh, ACC, Big Ten, SEC's been on the way up. So and good for them. It's a year-to-year deal in basketball. There's so many one-and-dones, and even the guys who aren't one-and-done can be out after two years. I think the Big 12 would be salivating about coming to Provo what do they see? 20,000 there. You know that that thing would be rocking. Uh, yeah, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Any of them, really? Any of them? Baylor just won the friggin' title. Won it all. The Episcopalians versus the Mormons. Huh? Yeah. Baylor's the Baptist. Well, I got some Episcopalians. Not everybody at BYU is Mormon. Dyson says definitely go. More access for football and a way better conference for basketball, too. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't think there's any question about that. The basketball thing, yeah, that's that's inarguable. Sean, I, would, I would love that. Sean says no. BYU plays a better schedule now than they would in the Big 12. I disagree. Yeah, check I some consistently? Well. Check some of the seasons coming up. This season, really good schedule. There are seasons coming up where they only have two Power 5 teams on the schedule. It doesn't have to be a better schedule, because if it's the same, it's worth it. From the fan base, it would be more fun. BYU already has its place recruiting in our part of the country. That's never going to go away. Can it open up another part? Possibly. Why not roll the dice there? What Texas, have you got to lose? You're still going to get kids out of California. 
But Texas. Okay, Utah, Arizona, California, you know, those are the big ones, right? Big the three yeah. mo- right. most right. Yeah, if, if you add states. up the if you add up where guys are from on a roster in any given year, yes. That's it. Yeah. You already got that. That's not changing. But instead of a smattering of Texas guys, maybe you could get an upgrade there. It's a lot of players in Texas. And there'd be three, Texas maybe four teams. Texas is close teams. enough to Florida, and you could just <laughs> there'd be three, maybe four teams in Texas. And yeah, like you said, you see if you had UCF. If they do, that opens the door for more Florida kids too. Yeah, I, I think BYU's brand expands. I don't think it contracts. Do you guys? I don't think it does. I think it expands because you're already a name program throughout the country. You're already a program that recruits heavily in your Latter-day Saint backyards, and that'll never change. I, I think it's I think it's a marvelous opportunity for them. I hope it comes to pass. I hope they get the invite. I hope it works out. It would be and more fun. And you hope they want it. Oh, yeah. Well, they got to want it, too. They got to yes. figure out what is in their best interest to, to go forward here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm up for that. What should BYU do? The poll question is up. Twitter, David DJ James. We're over uh, about 270 votes now. And it's uh, holding pretty steady. Join the Big 12, now up to 76%. Cougar fans are ready. Bring it on. I think they are. I think they are. Some guys telling me that this the Jeffrey Holland talk is much more uh, complicated than I'm making it sound. I don't know how complicated it is. I just know the complications haven't changed. BYU's position, as far as I, maybe I'm wrong because I don't study it that much, but BYU's position hasn't really changed. Meanwhile, the world's position has changed dramatically and probably for the better, all for it. But I don't think BYU's ch- position has changed that much. So, so maybe how, I'm off base on this, but well, Holland just reiterated what's been said a million times over. I don't understand why it's more complicated. What are the I don't either. layers well, were missing? That's you, all he you'd says. You have to tell us. Because he linked me Gordon's article, which broke records. Okay, stop. That's what he told me. I know he did. That's why you're making <laughs> a big deal out of it. Well, it's obviously, I'm not making a big deal out of it. If it broke records, they're making a big deal about it. How in the world can you say I'm making a big deal about it? I didn't break the records. I don't have a subscription to the Watchdog. I didn't read it. So I'm not making a big deal about it. The readership is. It broke records. records. Would you like to put that to song? Well, how am I making a big deal about it? Oh, your voice went up three octaves. Because you, you challenged me, so it's going to go up <laughs> ten. Yes, I was challenged, so I responded in kind. That's a surprise? 20 years? I don't think so. The next 20 years? No? It's like a Tim McGraw song. Looking forward to the next 30 years. <laughs> what What is more complicated? You can't just tell me it's more complicated than I'm making it sound. And he wants need, me to, he wants me to listen to Matty Easton's amazing story. Now, I guess he's the, uh, the, 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 the speaker who's uh, the um, graduation speaker and all that. And... Uh, yeah, it's a, he has an amazing story. Good for him. 
I, I, I wouldn't have given the speech, but that's mm-hmm. not me. I, they didn't ask me to give the speech. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what's different. I can't help you. I don't know. What did, I don't, he, what did I don't, he say that hasn't been said? Either down, I don't know. Did, did he give? Did he give the speech in Provo, or they do it virtually, or how do they do it? It was in Provo, down okay. What's different than what's been said downtown plenty of times? And what is more complicated? Yeah, and I, I, admittedly, I don't study it. Help us out. I mean, I personally would never write a religion article. That's not who I am. You can do, believe what you believe. I mean, I wouldn't try to hurt anybody either for that matter. Uh, I'm, uh, the older I get, the more is uh, live and let live, do what you want to do. I mean, are they breaking laws? Are they discriminating against the against homosexuals? Because obviously that's not good. I, I don't I don't know the answers to these. I mean, but I realize it's a passionate subject. I didn't. He broke records. That that that's not. <laughs> no, octaves you, you're there. acting like I'm mocking it. You are. I am not. Okay. I'm pointing out the visible nature of it. That's that's all I'm doing. I mean, you're not going to do it. You don't want to touch the subject at all. So it's up to me to bring it up, and. He told me they're breaking records, so it broke records. So breaking records can be as simple. It's a hot it, button topic. It is a hot button topic. Yeah. Yes, but breaking records can be as simple as what other websites link to your story. Okay, what's the difference? So, People still have to read it in order to break records. So what difference well, does you it know, make? You don't know that they read the whole thing. I mean, they can click on it and they can stop reading. Oh, okay, so you don't even right. know you read it the whole way. I don't know that. You're right. I don't know. All I know is it broke records, and we're getting into <laughs> a know, bunch of stuff that tweaking, I don't... You're, I am not. You're tweaking, Gordon. I am not. I am not. <laughs> I you're think, assigning me a value I judgment am, on I this, am. and I'm not. There's My two people in this world saying, you like to tweak. Gordon and me. And the order changes based on the day of the week. <laughs> that's not true in this situation. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because this this fellow here is telling me that it's more complicated there's so much passion on it both ways i went to try to get a feel so i have a clue anyway i went and looked at jeffrey holland's instagram because i thought oh people are probably going to comment on this mm-hmm. right there was over a thousand comments. How many did you get through? You love the comments. Probably fifty. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to read a thousand. <laughs> I, I know you're you not. You get to fifty. It's the same thing over and over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now this is very, very rough. I didn't tally it. I didn't keep a pull a poll right. of it. I didn't do any of that. It's a very rough opinion, but it seems like it was split down the middle. I support you. Elder Holland, how dare you say what you said, basically. And that's just a rough eyeball of it, looking at it, because I thought, well, comments, you you find out what people think, especially if they're anonymous, because then they can expose themselves, so to speak, literally. And not literally in that in in, you know in the nasty sense. Expose their name as opposed to nudity. Right. Right, yes. So it's clear this is an emotional issue. One that broke records. I've never written anything that's broken a record. Well, I probably have for fewest page views. 
you've you've written some stuff that got pretty big numbers. I don't know about records because we're getting into baseball Elias Sports Bureau, you Did know, you record get a thing for on the wall most like strikeouts, gold, uh, most strikeouts in the album? fourth, fifth, and sixth inning. It's engaged. Okay, now I'm messing around. <laughs> I think you I think you were earlier. I wasn't but, I <laughs> okay. honestly I wasn't. Right. I was pointing out the degree this this person thought enough to to get in touch with me to tell me we're downplaying it. And very well could be downplaying it for all I know. Now I've got to go back, and, and he cited uh, Matty Easton's story on uh, his life story, apparently, uh, on, what is this thing called, uh, mormonstories.org? It's a website. It's an antagonistic website, by and large, for the LDS faith, though. Oh, they don't like the Mormons? Depends on who you ask. Really? Everything depends on who you ask, Yacht. That well, was safe. well, you <laughs> called it antagonistic. John, what do you mean? John Dalen, who founded Mormon Stories, has been excommunicated from the LDS faith. John but, Dalen is his name? Yeah. PQ and Alec for his Instagram page. I did not know. I've never heard of John. How do you spell Dalen? D-E-H-L-I-N, I believe. And he has an axe. I find that interesting, though, fascinating. We're getting way off the topic, but what the crap is that... If you leave something, then you go back and you protest against it. That takes a lot of emotion, type of emotion that I don't have because I got a lot of problems and I got to focus all my emotion on that. And I probably focus too much emotion on that, <laughs> as you know. Uh, I heard a little bit about it. Yeah, I heard a little bit about it. So I don't have a lot of emotion for this other stuff. All right. We got to go to break. When we come back, Blake Anderson, Aggie football and I got coach. emotion for that. If you uh, have not been with us all morning, uh, the new Monday morning schedule, Samson Nakua, these are set, right, based on their schedules with their schools and what they got to do By and all and that large, stuff. Yes. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, joins us Monday mornings at 7 a.m. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, joins us Monday mornings at 7.30 throughout the football season. So Samson and Nick will be here. Now Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach at 9.30. What is trending, which we normally do at 7 for years, has moved to 8 o'clock on Monday mornings. If you missed those interviews with Samson Nakua and Nick Ford, they are available at 1280thezone.com or wherever you get podcasts. And Blake Anderson is coming up next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The New Look Aggies hit the road to take on Washington State to kick off the Blake Anderson era in Logan. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the pregame show at 8. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to talk Aggie football with Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Blake, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, we have followed you from afar. We haven't gotten to know you much, which is why I asked Scott Gerard on uh, last Monday morning. I was watching the interviews you did after the scrimmage on Saturday, and I thought you seemed irritated. And I asked Scott, 
well, was he really down about the way the scrimmage went, or is that just intense college football coach with the media all sorts of fired up because he's got a new gig and a thousand things to do? Oh, who knows, man? Who knows? knows? Uh, You know, I I really – I thought we were a little tired and a little sloppy, but all in all, after went back and watched it on tape, it was probably better. You know, it's it's I've always it's never as bad as you think, and it's never as good as you think, and that's kind of probably one of those times. Uh, we we we've been running them pretty good, and they looked a little tired Saturday, and after I watched tape, it looked a little better than I thought. So. I know exactly who Coach Anderson is because, as I told him the first time we had him on, my wife's grandmother lived in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and I've been to Jonesboro many, many times. So Blake and I, I mean, we've both been to the mall in Jonesboro, so we <laughs> we know each other even though we haven't met personally. What was uh, that big place that you turn left, you turn right, you go in, everybody got lost, everybody knew? Oh, <laughs> man. Anybody's been to the in the mall in Jonesboro? Yeah, you're you're, uh, you're family already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten at the Wyatt's cafeteria in the mall in Jonesboro many many times over the years. Made the drive from Memphis on in. Uh, so, but just stepping aside, go big picture on your life, man. I mean, this is just crazy. It's got to be crazy for you. You got to feel all sets of anticipation. I mean, we know the tragedy with your wife, and then you change jobs, you remarried, your kids are older, you move all the way over to Logan, Utah, of all places. Uh, yeah, I realize you're in the middle of it, and it's probably helping you. But have you had time to reflect on just how crazy everything has been for the last few years? You know, uh, it's funny you say that. It, it you're you are in the middle of it, and it does help. It kind of keeps your mind occupied, and you get in the you get in the routine of things on a daily basis and just, you know, kind of working the problem. And there's plenty for us to fix. We've got a lot of work to do to, to become the team we want to be. But, but at the same time, some of the things that you remember are just those times of year that, that uh, and you're going through some of the toughest things you've ever been through. And fall camp, I, I told the guys here, very transparent, fall camp's hard for me because that's kind of when everything really, really hit hard, when Wendy got really, really sick. And uh, and the guys are great. You know, I'm still getting to know these these kids and really building relationships. And I was uh, I was really surprised at how many guys just popped their head in my office through the course of fall camp. And hey, coach, how you doing? Nothing to do with football, just man. How you doing? How's your how you feeling today, man? Where's your where's your head at today? And so it's been fun getting to know these guys. It's been it's been really encouraging to see the kind of uh, just compassion that these guys have for each other. I think it's gonna. I think it's going to bleed over to the football field. It's a group of kids that really like being around each other and being in the office and, and being up here with us. So I'm beyond excited to get going, uh, excited about a new challenge, and it is that. Uh, and, and, and But just my first glimpse of this group of guys really working on a daily basis from 6 in the morning until you know, 10 o'clock at night of the fall camp grind, uh, really, really love this group of guys. You know, there's always, uh, in college sports, team building is really important because you're turning over 20 to 30% of the team every year. But now that the transfer portal is going nuts, it's even more than that. So I would think that you've got to spend a lot of time on that getting to know each other and bonding thing because otherwise you're going to end up playing like an all-star team and that's just going to get you beat. No, it's a huge challenge. It is. We know. You know, super seniors, a bunch of veteran guys that came back for a year that, that was not expected. So I think that helps just the maturity that those guys bring to the table. But we did, we did like a lot of folks, bring in some transfers to try to help immediate 
you know, immediate holes. Now, most of them were here in the spring, which I think was huge. We got a chance to go through the spring semester and work them through the summer. Only a few guys that weren't a part of the spring and summer program. So we, we didn't really have a ton of new this fall camp. But uh, you can't just assume that they all know each other. We had to spend a lot of time just doing things outside of football that had nothing to do with X's and O's. Just spending time together, getting to know each other, did some fun things, did some things that talk about you know just what our culture is going to be. And I think it's a group that has gelled pretty well. We'll really know once we go out and we start playing and, and all the problems really kind of get created out on the field. Adversity hits, that kind of shows your true character. But from a glimpse and, and just the amount of time we've had, I've been pretty pleased at how this whole group has kind of come together, including the transfers that, that we brought in. And you have some transfers that came over from Arkansas State, and obviously one being a quarterback, didn't play Bonner in the spring. Uh, can you give us an update, or are you willing to tell us who's going to be the starter? Well, I'm, I'm not willing to tell you who's going to be the starter. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let everybody figure that out at the same time. Uh, it's one of the good things about college ball. I really don't have to tell anybody, and I'm going to I'm going to keep that process going. It is still an ongoing competition. To be true, truthful. We uh, we did miss Bonner in the spring, a good bit of the summer, and he is completely healthy at this point, which has been which has been good. He's He's been healthy all through fall camp. But he and Andrew Peasley have been battling at it, and we're just trying to be as thorough as we can. This is bigger than, than one game, honestly bigger than one season. We want to make sure that we're moving forward in the absolute right direction. And, and the best thing we can do is just let them keep competing and keep battling. And, uh, we're going to make that decision, when we honestly, when we feel like it's time. And uh, just, just have not been quite there quite yet. Um, and, and I think uh, just experience and time and, opportunity to play, all that stuff, and practice on a daily basis, help us make the best decision we can. So does that mean you're willing to let the competition go in a game or two, or at least certainly this uh, Washington State opener, and let both very, guys very, play? It, it, that's quite possible. It, it is. You know, I'm just kind of evaluating day-to-day. and it, It's such a close race. Both of them are, are quality players and going to have, uh, you know, have, have all the skills that need to lead us. Just kind of looking for something small that really kind of triggers – this is exactly where we want to head. I'm, I'm not, you know, I've gone through the two quarterback rotation system a couple different times in my career out of necessity. Last year out of COVID at Carolina uh, out of injury and, and have been successful to some degree. But, you know, I just want to make sure that, that we've been fair to both of the guys for the amount of time and energy they put into it. With, um, with Logan going through the injury, really, you know, not, nothing that he did wrong to create that. Just trying to make sure that we're, we're 100% moving forward, and so uh, we're fortunate that if I think if we had to, you know, we could we could take a glimpse of this for a little while. But ultimately, we will we will we will end up with one quarterback and, and move forward at some point in the in the pretty near future. So you got Washington State, and you're doing to Nick Rolovich what he's going to do to you because <laughs> I don't think he's naming the starting quarterback with the transfer. He's got the transfer from Tennessee, and then he's got the returning young kid in Delora, and it looks like he doesn't want to. He might, but as I looked this morning, it didn't look like he wanted to announce who the quarterback is, so you're kind of playing games with each other, and maybe it's just what you want to do and not really related to the other team. But what type of challenges does that present for your defense which, you know, I can say struggled last year, but I think you got uh, just about all back, nine top tacklers, plus you got one of your kids, Justin Rice, coming over, who's a really good player. So defensively, you should be okay. Yeah, I think we've improved there from, from you know, what you saw a year ago and some of the additions 
injuries that are back healthy on the field. Some the transfers have all made immediate impacts. Yeah, I, I think it'll look. The scheme is different. Just the the environment of what we're trying to create over there. Just the way we let them cut loose and play. I, I think you're going to see uh, a good bit of improvement over there. There seems to be a confidence about them. Coach Ben and, and the crew on defensive staff have just brought in an energy, and, and I think the kids have gotten fired up about it. I've seen steady improvement from them. Justin Rice, obviously, is a good good one to have. He just always ends up around the ball. He did that for us last year at Arkansas State. He did it at Fresno before. So I, I think we're headed in the right direction there. Uh, we're going to have to grow up quickly. Uh, they've got a lot of weapons, and, and their offensive line is massive. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, their offensive line may be the most experienced in, in Division One football this year when you look at how many snaps they've played. So it, it's going to be tough for us regardless. But I do like how the the defense is is flying to the ball, the energy that they're playing with. And I think we've got a few key features, you know, key pieces that can create some, you know, can kind of create some chaos for them. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, joining us. Coach, you mentioned the the transfers coming in and plugging holes. How many of these transfers do you think are going to start, or and then how many in the two deep who will play but not start? Well, you know, in terms of starting in in two deep, I I think we're pretty fluid in in terms of who the starter is and who's going to play. I I would tell you that all the guys that we brought in, I expect to be in the two deep and be part of you know, kind of impacting games on a, on a weekly basis, whether it be uh, offense, defense, special teams, all the above. Uh, who's going to be a starter? Who's not going to be a starter? I think that's still very, very fluid, and it really – it's one play at a time. Packages and sub-packages and personnels dictate a lot of that. Uh, they've all come in and have made uh, an impact. They have all contributed in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't feel like we've brought a single transfer in – uh, and, and I thought the, the staff did a really good job identifying what our needs were, what kids we thought fit our culture and, and, and would fit the environment and kind of come in and, and add value. And really all of them have. Some roles are bigger than others, and I think that's always going to be the case. But it, really every one of those transfers that we brought in have impacted our team and are going to, uh, especially through a long, through a long season. You got a transfer at running back too. Jalen Warren obviously took off. I think he went to Oklahoma State. You got uh, three or four guys up there. Do you think that, or who do you think is going to be able to lead the way as far as the rushing attack? Well, I, I think it's going to be a little bit by committee. Uh, you're really going to see them all. We we we've, we've kind of given them all opportunities, and each one of those guys kind of bring you know Gentry and Calvin and Noah and, and Lockie. You know, I, I I I see four different guys getting touches. Uh, depending on, and, and honestly, maybe five DHC, if he's completely healthy, he's been banged up a little bit. I don't know that we're going to have a, a one feature back. Now, that may, it may present itself and somebody may separate themselves from the rest of the group, but up to this point, it has really been keep them fresh. Uh, you know, guys go out there, they're fully, fully rested, ready to go. You don't really know the difference between one to the next. They all can block, they all can catch, and they all are efficient runners. I think now game time, we may watch a guy that really plays well under the lights and just has it kind of gets in a rhythm and it may separate itself, but I, I have not seen that yet. And I've had seasons before where with the amount of snaps that we get, that kind of plays into our favor because the guy's just always fresh and has, has fresh legs, and that can be a benefit to us, you know, especially late in the game. 
Fresno State and San Jose State won big. Hawaii got blown out. How much of those three Mountain West teams did you watch, and what were your impressions of those uh, of those clubs? You know, really none of those games surprised me all that much. Uh, watched a little bit of all the games that were on. Everybody's kind of anxious to watch a little ball. We were in the middle of camp and, and still working, so didn't get to really focus on them a lot. But I, I'll tell you, nothing really surprised me about the games. I, I kind of expected – the outcomes, depending on, you know, based off who they were playing and, and the experience levels that some of them have had coming back, uh, you know, I, I, I really wasn't all that surprised. I think some matches that come up, uh, you know, here in the next few weeks will, will be fun to watch and, and maybe a little bit more competitive than a couple of those that we watch this week. As I look at your offense, uh, you, you turn some guys across the uh, each of the each of the different positions. But can I argue that receiver is your best position in terms of returning production and what you expect? Well, you can sure argue it, and you're probably right. Uh, when you look at the room with the guys that we brought in and the guys that are here, uh, it, it you know it, it's a spot that we we're excited about, no doubt. I think uh, I mean, it's it's hard to find a guy that's more fun to watch than, than uh, DT out in space, Scarver with the speed. Griff with the size. We're bringing Brandon Bowling, who's caught a ton of balls for us over the last few years at Arkansas State. Kyle has had a phenomenal spring and fall camp and just keeps making play after play after play. Uh, you know, I think that's a you know that's the fun part is kind of seeing who the next guy's going to be. Derek Wright has had a great fall camp. Jamie Nance has been a great addition. So we've got some speed. We've got some guys that are you know long. We've got some guys that are super quick in space. And clearly what we do offensively is about creating space and one-on-one matchups and anxious to see how people will play us and, and what matchups really play in our favor. Uh, we, we need to stay healthy there. We're not, we're not you know, super deep at any particular position, uh, and we need to keep those feature guys on the field and healthy, and that'll be, that'll be a challenge all year. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. We're looking forward to your opener, Washington State, Saturday night, 9 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network. Thanks for hopping on with us. Appreciate it, guys. It's time to go. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. He's family with PK because they've been to the mall in Jonesboro. <laughs> All these connections that I have. <laughs> so you didn't, you, didn't, random. you didn't get it, and I didn't want to waste Coach's time when I was saying about you walk in. You told a story once about, and I don't know if it was the first time you went to the mall or someone else with the family who was visiting or something, but apparently when you walk in the mall, everyone turns one way oh. and goes straight to this place that everybody always eats and everybody knows, so Why? no one has to speak of yeah, it. Yeah, that was fun. Okay, I got you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, was I, that you who was lost, or was it somebody else? No, it was me. I think it was the very first time I'd been there, and I'd been there several times over the years, and my wife was very close to her grandmother, and... Uh, so we were going to go out to eat. It was just the two of us, well, the four of us with her... with. Uh, my wife's uh, was actually her step grandfather. Her grandfather died like within a week of when she was born, and then my wife's grandmother and remarried. remarried. Sure. Uh, and so, so the four of you are going, and, and that's th- where they moved from Detroit down to Arkansas because he had a farm down there. Because I told you my mother-in-law grew up in, in Detroit, mm-hmm. right? And uh, yeah, so we're gonna go out to eat, right? And nobody ever said where we're gonna go. And we're to drive over there. We get out. We walk in. The mo- no one still said where we're going. And the three of them just turned into Wyatt's. The <laughs> I said, how did you know? No one ever said anything. Well, this is where we always go because this is where everybody goes. <laughs> and so he knew of that mall. He referenced that mall, too. And that's what he said. If you've been to that mall, we're family, which was obviously a funny line. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. We've got the poll question on what BYU ought to do as far as conference affiliation or staying independent. We'll update you on that, and we'll do it next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Oh, DJ, I just love your soccer fandom. They got blown out 4-1. Four, four goals is a blowout. They play for 90 minutes. Most of the time they're going backwards. And you call that one goal after another? <laughs> yeah, they got blown out four to one. I don't know what your point is, but yeah, they got blown out. What was his point? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> time for your feedback. Brought to you by Oker Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Oker Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Oker Mountain Pharmacy. I'm sick of people ripping you. I'm going to call Oakle Mountain Pharmacy. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. This is random things we don't know what they mean. <laughs> yes, they got blown out. That was a bad performance. Especially. Well, why criticize 25, you on that? I don't know. Especially 25 minutes right after halftime. Bad performance. I saw Yock tweeting about it. Yock was horrified. That was, I turned it off. Not good. All right, question of the day. What should BYU do? And Cougar fans, they are rallying, PK. Oklahoma and Texas are going to leave. The league's going to be watered down. They don't, want, they don't care. BYU fans want in the Big 12. 78% prefer the Big 12 is the future home of Cougar athletics. 10.6% want the football team to stay independent. 10% want them to join the Mountain West. And a measly 1.5% for joining the AAC. It's the Big 12 or bust for BYU fans. It's Big 12 football! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Dan Hawkins. Go play independence, buddy! (laughs) That was intramurals, but whatever. I get your point. (laughs) You're going to cut that just far now. It's Big 12 football! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's no question to be watered down, but... I think it's still pretty good. It is still good. And Texas has been mediocre for a long time. Texas, Barry Trammell came on and brought up, you know, basically they're looking at, depending on how you count it, five to eight really good seasons in 50 years sustains their reputation. But really, when you look at it, oh, there's man. a whole bunch of seven and eight win seasons. I, in that. Back last time they were good, I was hitting on chicks and had long hair. That's it, man, right there. <laughs> and why what he should, meant is, it's UC Davis football. Why should they, why should BYU, it's the big sky. why should BYU join this conference, Yock? It's Division One football. It's the Big 12. <laughs> that didn't sound good at time, and it sounds more ridiculous. I, I wish I would have thought of that earlier today. <laughs> at least we got to it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, man. It's Division One football. It's the Big 12. Mac Brown had an awesome run at Texas. He had a decade to remember. But other than that, Texas has been five or six good seasons for 50 years. Right. They didn't win the national title. What was they it? did. Oh. And Mac, Mac Brown's run, he was stacking was up 10, 11 win 04, seasons. 04, 05 or Mac Brown ain't walking through that door unless well, that is. door's at the University of North Carolina. Yeah. What is he pushing 70? Good for him, man. Yeah, he is. And he's got him going. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. arrow's way up in North Carolina. It's, yeah. <laughs> he's done a he good went job. Back, and that's he went where back. He, he had two ten win seasons there. That's what got him the Texas mm-hmm. job in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And he's got that folksy twang, right? Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, so they lose Oklahoma. That's a big hit. But oh, Oklahoma yeah. State is like five six in a row. Oklahoma State's been really good. Iowa State's up. We'll see if they keep this coaching staff. Baylor's been up and down. BYU can go in and be good in that league. Can it be great? Can they win it? Can they dominate it? Different questions, but they can go in and be good. All right, DJ and PK, James Impey coming up, Utes and Cougars joining every show all season long. Hands and Scotty next. Stay with us.